0: stood up before
1: have we been yes, stood up before have. yes i don't recall exactly who but yes we have been stood you up
2: forget how i it's guess just, I you do. just wiped out of your your mind yes. well
0: here's <laughs> what i do remember i remember that everyone we have on the show generally an animal lover and except for one person one guest we had was not an animal lover did not like animals and by the end Ooh, of the
1: who was that
0: smoky robinson
1: really the tears of a cloud
0: Great Motown artist Smokey Robinson. No
3: connection to animals. Just, uh, nothing there.
0: Yeah, nope. very strange.
1: Well, glad we had him on. Yeah, let's see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what are you working on over there in the newsroom, anyway?
1: Well, you know, sleep experts always say don't let your animals sleep with you. It's not good for either one of you. They talk about quality of sleep and all of this stuff, health issues. But there's a new sleep study out concerning humans and animals, and we'll tell you the reasons they say that you should be sleeping with your pet. Huh? To even things up. Yeah. Really? Okay.
0: Well, that, mm-hmm. that's interesting because I usually hear the negative. Everybody yeah. says it's bad that's for right. them because you're, first, for behavior reasons, you shouldn't let them sleep in the bed. Second, I hear uh, Becker is always saying these zo- zoonotic diseases that you could get. Uh, Right. Well, this is
1: even from the Center for Sleep Medicine at a Mayo Clinic.
4: Oh, okay.
1: So it's a pretty incredible source. That's on the way in a couple
4: of minutes. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
5: Hi, this is Jamie Farr, and you're listening to the Animal Radio Network. And remember to spay and neuter your pets.
6: Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Times are tough for Tokyo's 160,000 restaurants, but one tavern owner, Kayabuki, says business is booming at his place, and he owes it all to his waiters, who are monkeys. Kayabuki said it all started when he handed a pet monkey a hot towel, and the monkey handed it to a customer. Now as two monkeys are happily working as waiters to enthusiastic customers, who tip the monkeys with soybeans and peanuts. The monkeys love their work, but by law they're only allowed to work two hours a day, and for health reasons they have to wear clothes. The monkey waiters are attracting customers from all around the globe. One patron was quoted as saying they were better than most human waiters. Another patron said the monkeys were cute, like his kids but they were better listeners than his kids. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio.
7: Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hi, this is Carrie Ann Inaba from Dance with the Stars. Don't forget to stay anew to your animals, and you're listening to Animal Radio.
0: Let's take another one for Dr. Debbie. We have Roy on the phone. Say, Roy.
8: Hi, how are you today? Very good. How are you? You sound so cheery. Yeah, I have a uh, little three-year-old chihuahua. His name is MacGyver, <laughs> and I, like that. I buy him. I try to try not to feed him uh, any food with uh, corn, uh, wheat, or soy in it. So I got the uh, the Buffalo Blue. He's been eating that for several years, but he doesn't really eat it. Like will he'll, he'll he'll go to the bowl, he'll eat it, and he'll have. Uh, I'll take one kibble, turn away, chew it, come back, chew another one, go, go back. And it'll do that maybe a couple times, and then it'll stop eating it. I'm wondering, if, like, is there anything I can mix in with it that'll eat the kibbles and everything? Or maybe so, I'll leave that up to you to decide.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I guess I I would make that decision based a little bit on what he's looking like and if he's eating that food during the day. So if he's in good body condition and he's just a grazer and he likes to pick up that one kibble, walk away, and nibble, that's fine with me. Some some pets, that is just their pattern of eating. And so especially if he's in good weight or if he's on the heavy side, I don't think we need to necessarily encourage appetite in those situations. And, and I would just let him have his normal eating style, but we would want to make sure that there isn't some undetected health problem that could be causing him to not eat so eagerly. So if he were here in front of me, the first thing I would do is look in this mouth. Chihuahuas notoriously can have some problems with their teeth. If we've got any bum teeth in there, we need to address that and make sure that those are taken care of.
8: Well, that yeah. is true because he did have uh, two extracted like uh, about seven to eight months ago.
2: Well, might be a reason just to take another peek in there. Um, okay. But there are some other things that will cause a dog to not be a, a hearty eater, and they're kind of more internal, inflammatory bowel disease or even some liver problems. You know, those kind of things can also cause them to kind of be off on their food. So if he's losing weight or skinny and not eating well, then that would take us in a different direction where we'd talk about doing more like lab work to um, determine what might be going on there. I
8: see. I see. Well, well, thank you very, very much for answering my question. I really do appreciate that. My pleasure. Okay, you, you be well. You take care of yourself and stay warm. Well,
0: this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio.
8: Hey, folks, this is Jackson Galaxy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please do everyone a favor, spay or neuter your animals today.
9: Located in eastern Pennsylvania, the Schuylkill River Trail begins at the headwaters of the river in Pottsville, the home of Yingling Beer, America's oldest brewery, then continues southeast through Pennsylvania's Americana region of Reading and Berks County, goes to Pottstown, on to Phoenixville, Maniunk, and the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. Along the way, the trail passes through the Schuylkill River National and State Heritage Area, an area generally known for fishing in the Philadelphia Metro and historic Valley Forge Park. You can plan a short ride on any section of the trail or plan a day away or a multi-day vacation using the trail as your main focal point. With delicious restaurants, historic sites, museums, and multiple attractions along the way, the Schuylkill River Trail is one of America's finest cycling, walking, jogging, and alternative transportation corridors.
10: No regrets. You'll never regret switching to Erie Insurance, where you'll always be treated fairly. It's easy. J.D. Power ranked us highest in customer satisfaction with the auto insurance purchase experience two years in a row, so get a quote today.
7: Call Cross Keys Insurance, 610-916-6190, or go to crosskeysins.com. For J.D. Power award information, go to
10: jdpower.com.
11: Erie Insurance. Take the chill off with a cup of Chef Tim's award-winning chili. You'll be bringing hope and warmth to the community because Blankets of Hope will provide blankets and beds for someone in need. Thanks to the chili sale, Saturday, February 10th. Visit Humane PA, 1729 North 11th Street, in the city of Reading, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. They'll be serving cups and quarts of Chef Tim's regular chili and veggie chili. Remember the date, Saturday, February 10th, at Humane, Pennsylvania,
12: in the city of Reading. Your AccuWeather forecast from News Talk 830, WEEU.
13: Here is the exclusive three-day AccuWeather forecast. Dense fog advisory ending early this morning. Once the fog burns off, it'll be cloudy today and mild with a high 52. Overcast tonight with occasional rain followed by a steadier rain low 39. Rain for tomorrow to end the weekend. That rain will turn into wet snow at night into early Monday. High forty-one. For Monday, mostly cloudy and breezy. High forty-five. This is Cheryl Golden reporting for News Talk eight thirty WEEU.
12: Your source for local news, traffic, and weather. News Talk eight thirty WEEU, Reading.
5: Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process. Cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book, biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book, no matter what genre. Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks we do all of this for you call today for your free writer's guide packed with tips tricks and templates to help you finish what you started
10: 800-215-6815 800-215-6815 215
5: 6815
14: that's
15: 800-215-6815 feeling trapped with that old phone don't getting a new phone is easy Come into Verizon and get one of our best phones on us with Select Trade-In on Unlimited Ultimate Plan and get a plan that helps you save by only paying for what you need. Act now and get a brand new phone at your Verizon store today. $999.99 device payment or full retail purchase with new smartphone line on Unlimited Ultimate Plan required. Less up to $1,000 trade-in slash promo credit applied over 36 months. Promo credit ends if eligibility requirements are no longer met. 0% APR. Trading conditions apply.
7: Imagine a world where animals and humans coexist in harmony, where wild animals thrive, habitats are protected, and marginalized communities are empowered. At International Animal Rescue, this is our vision. Our holistic, community-led projects not only rescue animals, but also protect and replenish precious habitats, creating a better future for us all. But we can't do this without you. Show your support now and help keep the wild wild. Visit internationalanimalrescue.org my friend and I are taking a trip to Mexico this year, but neither of
16: us speak Spanish. So we downloaded Babbel and started learning Spanish fast.
10: Want to start getting conversational in another language in as little as three weeks? Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons were designed by language experts to be the most efficient and effective way to learn a new language. ¿Cómo te llamas?
7: ¿Cómo te llamas?
10: Babbel, language for life celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold go to babbel.com and start learning a new language today that's dot com.
7: this is an animal radio news update i'm laurie brooks
1: well you never know who you're going to be sitting next to on an airplane these days surely you remember hearing about the turkey that traveled on a risa delta airlines flight and the passenger who claimed the big bird was an emotional support animal In fact, emotional support animals are becoming increasingly common, and their air travel is even covered under the U.S. Air Carrier Access Act, which lets passengers with disabilities bring animals aboard commercial airplanes. And those who wish to have an emotional support animal, all they have to do is get a letter from a mental health professional, but... Here is the proof now that it is not difficult at all to get an ESA, or emotional support animal documentation. Just over a year ago, this New York woman obtained emotional support animal credentials for five, we'll call them unconventional pets. She says people also exploit emotional support animal allowances in terms of where they can take them. While service dogs who, on the other hand, are trained to perform a particular task like responding to seizures or guiding those who are visually impaired, and they're allowed to go anywhere, ESAs are not. They are only covered by the Fair Housing Act and the Air Carrier Access Act and are not permitted in hotels, trains, or stores. And many people do not fully understand the laws and the differences surrounding the two classifications of animals. In fact, the New York woman proved this when she took various emotional support animals to a bunch of different public locations and convinced many of those locations to approve their entry. For example, she flew from Newark to Boston with a pig, She visited an art museum with a turtle and even shopped at Chanel with a snake. I'd have been out of that store in a heartbeat. (laughs) Here is a new idea that has been increasing in popularity as a way to find shelter animals' new homes. The Humane Society of Greater Savannah in Georgia did it and says their foster program to place pets in homes over the holidays was a huge success. People were given the chance to drop by the shelter and foster a dog or a cat. So about 10 dogs were placed in homes over the holidays, and about half of them were adopted. So another benefit of this is that the shelter is also able to learn a lot about the dogs that were not adopted, so they were able to work on their issues and hopefully get them adopted soon. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com.
7: This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com.
4: You're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy.
0: Time to hang out with Miss Doc Halligan, Doctor Doc Halligan, Doctor
17: Doc,
18: Miss Doc. <laughs>
0: <laughs> From the Lucy doc. Beth Foundation. How are you doing, Doc? I'm great. How are you? Well, you know, I've been waiting all week because last week yes. you teased me. You said you would tell me this week how I could brush that's my right. cat's teeth because I yes. I simply am afraid to do it. Really.
18: Yes, and that's why you would not be successful. Oh. Yeah, because I think, you know, really, you've got to think of this as something that's fun for them because you're saving their lives. So instead of being nervous about it, um, think about it as, wow, I'm saving my cat's lives by by brushing their teeth. You will add years to their life. So what you want to do is um, you're not going to do it the first time you try it. See, you're going to build up to it. Oh, Okay, that's the goal. It could take you a month. It could take two months. So, see, that's it. you got to do baby steps because it's very unnatural for you to put your finger in your pet's mouth. Uh-huh. But everybody wants instant gratification. They want to be able to do I it know. now.
0: Okay, so what do I know, I, and I, and I do think do that's I...
18: the biggest mistake. So it, you've got to start with the sessions. They should always be short and fun and it's got to be something where you do positively reinforce them with it so really the first step is just getting your finger in their mouth Um, and (laughs) what you should do is dip it in tuna broth or beef bouillon right so dip your finger in and they come up to it and then just like put your finger on their lip
0: now what keeps them from chewing on your finger because it tastes (laughs) like tuna taking a bite out of it yeah
18: well, because it's uh, you're not, you know, giving them food. Okay. I've never had anybody bite me from that. Just okay. it smells good. Okay. So I mean, you could just let them smell it, and if they try to eat you, then <laughs> maybe we'll go. We'll talk about the very end what you should do if you can't do that. Okay. Um, but so then, just try um, getting your finger near their mouth. Um, you don't have to open their mouth. I think that's what. You know, it's kind of like medicating a a pet, too. It's an unnatural experience. So having the positive attitude is so important. Lose the fear and just have this be a fun, like, training session, basically. So, like I said, just get them used to maybe putting your finger, um, you know, on their lip. um, Then kind of try to go inside. You don't have to open their mouth. Um, Even my cat, Nathan, who's naughty, I can brush his teeth because I did it over a period of time. How
0: long is a period of time?
18: Like, I think it took me six weeks with him. Kinky uh, was like three days. Okay. She was, I was brushing her teeth. So then that's it. All right. So it's like, (gasps) guess what? And then you're going to give them a treat afterwards, right? So the sessions are super short. You know, they're like, oh, okay. So if I let her put my finger, her finger in my mouth, then I get a treat. So you're positively reinforcing it at the end of the day when they're kind of tired and they're not all wound up, especially with dogs. You wouldn't want to do it like first thing in the morning when Mm -hmm. they haven't had their walk or anything. Um, Like I said, it should be short. The sessions are short. Now, once you've got them used to you putting, like, your finger in there, or if you want to try with a brush or a finger cut instead, maybe you are nervous and you have, like, an angled brush, the brush has to be for pets. Can't use humans because the tooth bristles are too hard. So if you do want to do a brush because you are nervous and that makes you feel more comfortable with the bullion on it, then have them do that they might want to just lick it at first get them used to licking that then slowly put it in their mouth you see what I, where sure. i'm going with this sure. okay and then go to the toothpaste they have great flavored toothpaste tuna beef chicken now let them lick the toothpaste off the toothbrush so we your can't finger we, we
0: can't use human toothpaste
18: no because it's it has too many detergents in it and oh. remember they don't spit out oh yes you put the toothpaste on your finger or the toothbrush, whichever one you've gravitated okay. to, and, and get them licking it. Oh, okay, this isn't bad. So they're, li- <laughs> you know, they will look forward to this, believe it or not, really? because it tastes good. <laughs> yeah, it tastes good. And then it's just a period of them getting used to this because it's not normal. And really, what the goal is over a period of time to where you do circular motions where the gum meets the tooth, where that particular pet is building up the tartar and okay uh what do we do what's the first thing vets do we lift up their gums and we look their teeth yep. We look at their teeth right yep. we don't get bit Nope. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, we just do it because we're confident. We know it's something that's going to help them. It's our mindset about it. And cats, I always look at cats' teeth. So don't be squeamish about it and thinking that you can't because I know people that Betty White, she brushes all of her cats' teeth. <laughs> <laughs> she told me that. And so in time, your pet will learn to kind of look forward to it. And the goal is you need to do it every other day. Like a minute, Hal. And all you're doing is getting rid of the billions of bacteria that's invisible on their teeth that you you don't see. That if you don't fix it, it will, you know, mix with the saliva and form that tartar. All right. Now, and you can be successful. I want to report back with you because I want to hear how it's going. Okay. I I have a quick question. I know it's best to start when they're puppies and kittens and get them used to it. Yes. If my cat is
1: three years old, is it too late?
18: It is not. I didn't start with Kinky until she was, uh, like, I think, five. Okay, let's say you guys really try, and you can't do anything. Plan, plan B. Well, they do- <laughs> plan B is they have washes that you can kind of try to squirt in there there's diets that you can use there's dental diets that have um, enzymes baked into them it's better than doing nothing but you know obviously the brushing is the best but at least you're doing something
0: yeah so like Um, a, a greenie is not a substitute for
4: brushing
18: nothing is a substitute for brushing no and you'd be amazed at how many animals will really let you brush their teeth if you go slow make it fun and um, reward, positively reinforce it. Now, I'm not asking you to floss, so, you know, Good. The <laughs>
0: There you go. Doc Halligan from the Lucy Pet Foundation. Visit them over at lucypetfoundation.org.
4: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
19: Vinnie Penn, your resident party animal, with you once again, uh, took my daughter and my son, I have a son too, Luke, he's two years old, uh, out to the pumpkin patch way back when, right before Halloween. And it was interesting because they had llamas there, which half of the day I spent calling llamas until finally an irritated parent corrected me. And uh, my children were fascinated by the llamas behind the fence. They had scheduled times when you could see the llama, which I thought was great. They would say, you know, at such and such an hour, come bring the kids by, we'll bring the llama out. So we did it twice because my kids wanted to go back and, and see the llama a second time. They were so fascinated by this creature, as they should be, and I want my children to be fascinated by animals. But it seemed as if they the, the, the pumpkin patch scheduled the times that the llama would come out with his bowel movement times because every time the the llama came out it defecated right in front of all of the children and parents couldn't they couldn't they kind of gauge get a better handle on exactly when the the llama would be having a bathroom break and bring them out afterwards uh, no matter how cute I tried to cover it up I'm like, well look Luke there's the mama llama Ooh, Vinie Pen party animal animal radio.
5: Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process. Cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide, packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815. 800-215-6815. 800-215-6815.
20: That's 800-215-6815.
7: Imagine a world where animals and humans coexist in harmony, where wild animals thrive, habitats are protected, and marginalized communities are empowered. At International Animal Rescue, this is our vision. Our holistic, community-led projects not only rescue animals, but also protect and replenish precious habitats, creating a better future for us all. But we can't do this without you show your support now and help keep the wild wild visit internationalanimalrescue.org. do you hear that asthma triggers are everywhere from dust mites pet dander and pollen to smog and smoke an asthma attack can strike anywhere anytime be prepared with quick acting primatine mist clinically proven to open airways quickly It's the number one FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over-the-counter. Primatine Mist. Breathe easy again. Use as directed. My friend and I are taking a trip to Mexico this year, but neither of us speak Spanish. So we
16: downloaded Babbel and started learning Spanish fast.
10: Want to start getting conversational in another language in as little as three weeks? Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons were designed by language experts to be the most efficient and effective way to learn a new language. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? Babbel language for life celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold go to babbel.com and start learning a new language today that's b-a-b-b-e-l.com
15: feeling trapped with that old phone don't getting a new phone is easy Come into Verizon and get one of our best phones on us with Select Trade-In on Unlimited Ultimate Plan and get a plan that helps you save by only paying for what you need. Act now and get a brand new phone at your Verizon store today. Nine hundred ninety-nine ninety-nine dollars 99 device payment or full retail purchase with new smartphone line on Unlimited Ultimate Plan required. Less up to $1,000 trade-in slash promo credit applied over 36 months. Promo credit ends if eligibility requirements are no longer met. 0% APR. Trading conditions apply.
4: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: It is one of the greatest debates among pet owners these days. Should you let your dog or cat sleep with you on the bed? I say, of course, and most of us animal lovers do, but... One concern has been whether sharing a bed with your pet might disturb your sleep, which can affect you in many different ways. And many sleep specialists, they advise against animals sleeping with you. But a recent study from the Center of Sleep Medicine at the Mayo Clinic in Arizona might be changing some minds. Researchers there surveyed 150 sleep center patients and found that more than half of pet owners allowed their pets to sleep with them in the bedroom, on the bed. But one out of five described their pets as disruptive. However, 41% said their pets were quiet and even beneficial to their nightly sleep. The experts loved that. They say if having a pet nearby helps you feel relaxed and gives you a sense of security and that helps you to fall asleep with less difficulty, then by all means... Have your pets sleep with you just as long as they're clean and don't have any fleas. But this study, keep in mind, did not look at whether different types of pets or even different breeds of animals were more disruptive than others. But the good news is they say they hope to investigate those questions in the near future.
0: Interesting stuff, although I'm pretty sure it's the pets that allow me to sleep in the bed. <laughs> and I have a bad because of it, huh? Violet, how are
21: you doing? Someone dropped off this little chihuahua, and um, I've raised him now. And uh, he's got a lot of little spots. Like, you know, they, I took him to get fixed, and he says he has an allergy. So I started okay. giving him some kind of flex dog, which is a three fatty acid in the immune system. I, I'm seeing a little bit difference, but I don't know if that what I could do for, like, doing his... Um, I do the tea tree, but that's not working. So maybe... Okay different type of shampoo
2: okay or... tell me a little bit more about this guy how old is he he's only five months old five month old little chihui <laughs> and what what do these um areas look like on his body
21: little just like spots of red
2: okay and, and is and there it, hair it, loss it, in the ears
21: it, it's just pink and then it's just he's got hair on there
2: Okay. Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that allergies definitely can happen in young dogs. But the the truth of the matter is that seasonal allergies, inhalant allergies, are not gonna be present in a doggy this young. So things that are pollens, um, you know, things that are blooming outside, it takes well over a year and a half of exposure to those environmental allergens for a pet to develop an allergy. So um, we can almost kind of just ignore that whole possibility. Mm -hmm. But we can sometimes see food allergies in young dogs. Sometimes, the youngest I've diagnosed it has been a six-month-old puppy. Um, but typically, those pets will tend to be quite itchy. Um, you know, we have some pretty typical signs with that. In a Chihuahua puppy, oh golly! At five months old, I will tell you.
21: Yeah, I understand. He's a uh, high maintenance. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. The first thing I honestly would have this boy um, evaluated for is to check him for mites. Um, demodectic mites, or what they call the red maybe mange, Just quite it an common.
21: When I took them in, and then they fixed them. So they said just to do the cortisone. But
2: well, and if it did it help?
21: Um, it does help, yeah. But every time I take him over to the, my mom's yard, it's, it's, I think he's allergic to the grass. Because okay. when he comes back, he's all red again.
2: Okay. Well, I'm just telling you, going with the odds in a young pup of his age, um, even if we don't see mites on the first sampling, sometimes it does take multiple sampling. So I would just want to make sure we exhaust that. And now this is something your butt can't do just by looking. They actually have to take some skin samples. They have to do that skin scraping, as we call it. So if that's been done, then I'll feel more comfortable about that. But, you know, okay, so say say that test is negative for your little guy. Um, Yes, there are definitely going to be some things we're going to look at doing. And we might start with some of those um, colloidal oatmeal shampoos, which can be very soothing for the skin. Um, And then I would address going into um, a hypoallergenic diet. I'm not really familiar with uh, some of the brand that you mentioned. yeah but no to get plain, into no nothing Yeah, and you know, grain isn't always the big problem. It's kind of a a big fad in the human world with nutrition, but actually some research studies actually have shown that some of the most common allergens in foods for dogs are things like beef, which is over 30% of the most common allergens in dogs. Dairy and wheat are followed after that. And actually, you know, corn is pretty low on the list. It's lower down. So um, things when we talk about grains, yeah, it could be a grain problem, but in many cases it could be a chicken, a beef, um all those other all ingredients oh my gosh yeah so, you would, um, I'd say, pick up that phone, talk to that vet, and say, what food would you recommend? In my office, if I'm treating a food allergy, I like to go to something in a young dog like a novel protein diet. Maybe it's going to be something that's just got two ingredients it's going to have a carbohydrate and it's going to have a protein. My own dog is on a rabbit based diet. Um, some dogs thrive really well on a fish based diet. And the thing I'll tell you is with, with hypoallergenic diets, you know, it's, it's a little bit trickier than just looking on the label and saying, does this food have that ingredient or not because for hypoallergenic diets the ideal way to, to do this is to manage it with very limited ingredients and to make sure that we're using things that are new and novel to the pets experiences so I personally as a veterinarian I like to have some um, recommendations that I would throw your way um, so chat with that veterinarian and make sure that we didn't have mites and then then we can talk about a little bit more about these diets. Violet I I commend you you've got your hands full with the- that whole crew of Joggy daycare and uh, bless that little guy's heart and i'm sure you're gonna get him on the men here soon
0: okay we're gonna get on out of here i suggest you go grab the animals right now take them outside for a walk if you have beautiful weather where you are if not just play with them inside spend some time with them because that is the best present you can give your animals is your time and love and attention Your presence. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week right here for more Animal Radio.
1: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Gordy and I are going to go take a a bath. A bath? I'm going to give Gordy a bath (laughs) now. (laughs) Together? (laughs) That'll be our time together. No, no. He's going to be in the tab. I'll be handling this over.
12: This is Animal Animal. Radio Network.
1: Network.
6: We have the news the time and the weather tunes to make your cares as light as a feather stop don't, don't you change you. that dial it's, it's the, the best, best for you
22: w-e-e-u
6: right at
22: w-e-e-u in redding pennsylvania
12: News Talk 830 WEEU, Reading.
22: It's a bluebird day here in Jack's Backyard. So come on in and chat with us a while.
14: It's time for Jack's Backyard on the Voice of Berks County, 830 AM, WEEU. expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the staff, management, ownership, or sponsors of 830 AM WEEU. And now, here's the host of Jack's Backyard, Jack Holcomb. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good
20: morning and a warm welcome to Jack's Backyard. Right here on News Talk 830 WEEU plus the Internet. At 830weeu.com. It is so good to be back with you on a Saturday morning, as you uh, probably expected or maybe not. Your uh, backyard host couldn't deal with the ice, snow, and cold last week. And with that said, my thanks to uh, General Manager Jim Battalese and uh, Producer Andy P for their very kind cooperation. And he put together the old show that you uh, heard last week. Needless to say, I gathered all kinds of bird and nature information for the show today. Plus, in addition to Bill Urich and Mike Slater, we'll be joined by David Barber from Hawk Mountain. He'll recap the 2023 raptor migration for us. And Brant Porter from Middle Creek Wildlife Management Area, will join us briefly, too, to outline some of the upcoming programs that they have scheduled. So, there you are. I am joined today, ladies and gentlemen, with a return of Linda. Linda is back and uh, looking bright and ready to go as ever. Good to see your smiling face. And that, that's really important. The smiling face always helps. So the team is together once again. And remember, you are a very big part of the backyard. Those phone numbers remain the same. 610-374-8800 or toll free 888 Sure would enjoy hearing from you today. And uh, to find out what's happening in your backyard. Have you seen any new birds? I had a few emails this week reporting adventures with nature during the very cold and snow-filled weeks. And uh, thanks for all of that, plus your notes and, and letters. Greatly appreciated. And with all of that said, let me swing open the gate as we begin another two hours of nature gathering right here in Jack's backyard. I missed you guys. Okay. Uh, and I, that's, I hope you'll join us uh, this week as we have so much to get over, so much to learn, as always, about Mother Nature. So let's start with our current events and see what's happening. Hawk Mountain Sanctuary is having a winter artisan series, and uh, they'll be collab- co- collaborating with local artists to bring creativity to the sanctuary. And that begins next Saturday, February 3rd. And Writing the Sanctuary is the title of the program, 10 a.m. to 1230 p.m. The cost is $24. You can explore the beauty and history of Hawk Mountain while completing writing exercises and prompts. And you must register for that program, and you can do so, of course, for all of the programs at Hawk Mountain by going to hawkmountain.org. And then next Sunday, February 4th, the Tree of Life Suncatcher Workshop. And that will be from 12.30 p.m. or from 1 to 2.30 p.m. Cost is $20 for that one. So there you have it. To find out more about the Winter Artisan Series, you can find the complete schedule at hawkmountain.org, hawkmountain.org. And remember, you have to register for those programs. Well, let's see Burke's Nature. They have some programs coming up in February and they begin February 1st. 50 Wetland Wonders and that's Thursday, February 1st from 4 to 6 p.m. During the uh, special extended hours engagement in this uh, program, explore the wonders of all the wetlands, play and uh, and play and, and and explore your way through. The uh, nature adventures all around us. And that's at, of course, Burke's Nature. The program is free. And to find out more, all you have to do is go to berksnature.org and check out their complete schedule. The next Saturday, community science training session. Saturday, February 3rd, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And the cost is $25 per person. Join the Globe International Community Science Effort in this uh, special training for anyone interested in uh, community-based science. Sounds like a wonderful idea. And th- that will be February 3rd, next Saturday, 9 to 3, 9 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon. Complete list, burksnature.org. The Berks Community Strollers will be strolling the Toon Trail, Brentwood Industries. And that will be next Saturday, meet at 10 o'clock, actually at Brentwood Industries, 825 Morgantown Road. And that will be for the Berks Community Strollers. And again, the meeting time, 10 o'clock, Morgantown Road, Brentwood Industries, Toon Trail. Be a good hike. All righty, that will do it for the current events. Don't have too many for you this morning. Remember, if your organization is sponsoring any kind of nature event, we'll be more than happy to publicize it for you absolutely free of charge. But I need the information. The best way to get it to me is through my email, which is jkhbird at aol.com. jkhbird at aol.com. Com. If you don't have a computer or know someone who has, just put the information on a postcard or put it in a letter. Just to be sure it's legible. <laughs> uh, yes, please. Send it to Jack's Backyard, WEU, 34 North 4th Street, Reading, Pennsylvania, 19601. Jack's Backyard, W E 34 North 4th Street. Reading, Pennsylvania, 19601. So there you have it. That brings us up to date with the current events. And uh, those telephone lines, you didn't forget them already. 610 374 8800 or toll free 888 401 0459. And those telephone lines are open for you, 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 and. Yes there's one for you too and we'd like to chat with you today and learn from you just a wee bit more about mother nature. Well let's see let's check out some old business that we have to do. I want to go back to the uh, last Saturday uh, last Saturday's Reading Eagle uh, Russ Hoffman had just a great article and I hope uh, those of you that subscribe to the Redding Eagle had a chance to see it. It was 2023 was a year for rare birds in Berks County. And uh, Berks birders recorded 249 species, including several never seen before in the county. So it, it's really it's re- and with great photographs. Russ is a marvelous photographer. So uh, you'll see photographs of those rare birds, plus the complete background story on all of those birds seen. So that was last Saturday. In the, uh, in the Reading Eagle. And I, I want to thank uh, Joanne for sending that along uh, today. Okay, what else is going on? Well, I don't know where to start. Um, I, I guess I'm going to start with a happy note. Uh, as you know, I, I live in, in West Reading, and in years past, going back to, oh, 20 years or so, We used to hear great horned owls uh, where the fire company is right now. And by that, when the fire company was built, the owls seemed to uh, disappear. Well, Lisa heard, she heard a great horned owl, called me up, said, Jack, listen to this. And sure enough, the great horned owl was having a great old time calling. So that was the first in a a very long time and really, uh, really a treat. Uh, for me to hear that in, in our location. So there that was uh, that was the highlight probably. And uh, <laughs> it was it was I guess when you when you you don't hear too many birds uh, and you hear a great horned owl at night it's a good way to go to sleep with a, a good memory. Okay? All right. So I wanted to mention that first. All right, 610-374-8800. Out of the area it is toll-free, 401 And I would certainly like to chat with you today right here in the backyard. And we're going to begin proceedings. We're going to Shillington and say good morning to Kathy. How are you today,
24: Kathy?
25: Yeah, hi, Jack. How are you?
20: Good, thank you.
24: Good to hear from you. Thank you. Now, listen, I have to tell you, I don't know anything about birds, but I really wanted to tell you this story about my mother-in-law. And to put this in perspective, um, she died about 16 years ago at the age of 91. So here I am. I'm going through a lot of stuff right now, you know, with the house. And we, we always kept all her things. So I'm going through her recipe file. And there's a recipe. It was printed up. And it was for Tom Sturgis Soft Pretzels, and here it was signed. Thanks for listening, Jack Holcomb. (laughs) Now I don't know how long ago that would have been, Jack, but because she listened to you all the time.
20: That was yeah. That was my husband
24: and I listened to you all the time. That's when I
20: was doing feedback.
24: Okay, I would say so, and oh, she was just so happy. And I don't know where she met you. My husband, he couldn't remember where, but oh, she was so happy because she met you um, in person, and, <laughs> and she still had that recipe in her file box.
20: That's that's for the uh, the, the pretzels you mix with uh, garlic and you crush them up. Is that the one?
24: I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. But that's really but, good. Uh, we, I got a kick out of seeing it. It gave me a big smile this week. Well, I'm <laughs> and all crying. this gloom and doom and weather and everything. But I said, I have to call you, even though I don't know a thing about birds.
20: <laughs> That's quite all right, because now you're... the, the See, you, you, the bug has bitten and uh, okay. you'll be more aware of birds now i bet
24: Oh i i do i do look at them but i don't know who you know what kind they are or this or that but i enjoy them and we've had quite a few birds in our backyard this week like oh, that's just good. all over the place you know and lots of robins
20: Wonderful what so you're all set now see, you're noticing them more so you mm-hmm. got you got to buy a field guide so you know all the birds that pop into your yard
24: Very good jack and listen it was so great talking to you and thanks for all the years of you making, you know, people smile.
20: I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Kathy.
24: Have a great day.
20: You too. Bye-bye. This is The Backyard. Glad you're along with us today on the program, and I'm glad that Avery is here too. She lives in Douglasville. Avery, how are you?
26: Good morning, Jack. How are you? Well, not uh, too as bad. Us- well, as usual, I called in last week. It was recording, but that's okay. It was Really good to hear your voice, no matter whether it's a recording or you. <laughs> but what I wanted to mention to you, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Jim Brent. And I had said something about we knew Jim Brent, uh, belonging to Hawk Mountain, and Lori Goodrich. And I had mentioned about him flying over Hawk Mountain in an ultralight plane. Mm-hmm. I forgot to tell you, he used to take pictures. I guess, of the area, the mountain and all you know. And I I didn't know whether you were aware of that or not.
20: I was aware of some of Jim's photos, but not from the air.
26: Not from the air? No. Okay, well, we had talked to him a couple times, and he said that's when he flies over. He was taking pictures. But uh, always, again, good to hear your voice, and you sound like a breath of fresh air as usual. (laughs) And... uh, we just want to thank you for all the years, all the information about the birds, bees, and you are one of a kind, Jack. Please take care, God bless, and stay well. I
20: right, Thank you, Avery. I wish you the same. Take good care okay. of yourself.
26: Thank you. Bye-bye.
20: Bye. 610-374-8800 out of the area. It is 888 Five, nine, and I'm so glad you're aboard today.
27: Mark your calendars for Thursday, February 8th for the 9th Annual Chef Tim's Take the Chill Off live broadcast benefiting the Blankets of Hope. That's right. Come on over to Classic Harley-Davidson in Leesport to pick up some chili. Grab a pint from the Pagoda City Brewing. See the Royals Ice Angels all while supporting a great cause. E E U staff at Classic Harley will be hosting the broadcast along with many of the Blankets of Hope supporters. That's February 8th. For information, visit 830 weeucom or ClassicHarley.com.
28: Ole Valley Feed in the beautiful Ole valleys your wild bird feeding headquarters. They're hosting a wild bird feeding seminar on Saturday, January 27th at 1 p.m., where they'll answer all your wild bird and nesting questions. Topics include enticing different birds, keeping critters off your feeders, attracting purple martins, types of feed, and how the seasons affect birds, and more. Reserve your spot. Call 610 987 3568 or visit OleValleyfeed.com. For the expert or novice bird feeder, Ole Valley Feed has something for everyone. Peace of mind is knowing that everything will be taken care of when a disaster occurs. Hi, this is Skip
29: Bell of Service Master Restore. If your home or business sustains damage from a fire, or some other disaster. We are here to handle complete emergency cleanup, restoration, and reconstruction. This includes helping you navigate the insurance claims process. No one ever expects to need our service, but if you do, remember ServiceMaster. Masters of Service, serving the master. Call 610-374-1881. PA 4208.
11: Movies are bigger than ever at the RC Reading. Movies 11 and IMAX, home of the only IMAX screen in the Reading area. Making his grand return to the Pagoda City this week is Godzilla minus one. Mine is color. And screening exclusively in IMAX is Queen Rock Montreal, Oppenheimer, and the Met Opera Live Carmen. This Saturday at noon is Deep Sea 3D. Plus, get a free craft bag from our local Girl Scout this Saturday and Sunday. Also, showing this Sunday and Monday is an 85th anniversary screening of The Wizard of Oz. Follow us online for more information.
28: Looking for fresh meats and produce, a quick meal on the go, unique handmade gifts, or just looking to meet a friend for breakfast? Look no further than Shillington Farmers Market with over 25 local vendors who love to serve their community. Visit ShillingtonFarmersMarket.com or follow them on Instagram and Facebook for weekly specials, events, and more. Shillington Farmers Market, big enough to serve you, small enough to know you. Open Thursday through Saturday at 10 South Summit Avenue, Shillington.
15: Your WEEU Greater Berks Region Allergy Air Quality and Health Report. Well, we got into a nice January thaw around the 24th and 25th of January, and with that, less in the way of a fresh supply of Canadian air, and thus a tick down in air quality to moderate levels. Cooler air filtering in around the 28th and 29th should improve air quality back to good levels. It was also kind of damp and dreary to end this past work week, and with that, an uptick in mold spores as all the mud and dampness dry out. So if you're susceptible to mold, something to be aware of. Flu being reported at moderate here in Pennsylvania. I'm Monsoon Mike.
12: Your AccuWeather forecast from News Talk 830, WEEU.
13: Here is the exclusive three-day AccuWeather forecast. Dense fog advisory ending early this morning. Once the fog burns off, it'll be cloudy today and mild with a high 52. Overcast tonight with occasional rain followed by a steady rain low 39. Rain for tomorrow to end the weekend that rain will turn into wet snow at night into early Monday, high 41. For Monday, mostly cloudy and breezy, high 45. This is Cheryl Golden reporting for News Talk 830, WEEU.
14: Back to more of your calls on Jack's Backyard, here on The Voice, 830 a.m., WEEU. That would be us. And by the way, right now it's 40 degrees,
20: 40 outside your AccuWeather station. News Talk 830, that would be WEEU. 610-374-8800, out of the area, toll free, 888-401-0459. Well, let's see. I want to thank uh, Fritz up there in Lebanon. He is with the Quintipahilla Audubon Society. He sent me the results of their 44th consecutive Christmas bird count. Uh, total individual count was 10,447 uh, birds this year, and uh, that was uh, a good bit above uh, normal. They had 12 species with a count highest in the history of the uh, census since 1980, including among them 21 great blue herons, 3 northern saw owls, 107 red-bellied woodpeckers, 28 yellow-bellied sapsuckers, 15 hermit thrushes, and 345 American robins. That's a lot. By the way, uh, that was, I guess, the highest. That was the highest robin count that they uh, they had. Uh, by the way, they also, uh, it's interesting to note, they had tree sparrows. Um, not many people had tree sparrows. So they had uh, nine uh, with a, their previous, uh, their tenure average was uh, 88. So uh, there you go. That's, uh, that's up to date for you. And that, that also noted, Fritz noted, that the Tufted Titmouse numbers were up, which is always encouraging after that down year a couple of years ago. So thank you, Fritz. Appreciate that. As always, up there in the Lebanon County, the Kutapahilla Audubon Society. This is The Backyard. And uh, let's go out to Muhlenberg Township and say good morning to Donna. How are you, young lady?
25: Oh, I'm doing good this morning. Um, I do have a question. Well, first I want to say, um, I only moved down here in the Muhlenberg area about three years ago. And of course, I lived up in the Hamburg area. And I always fed the birds, but I never had time to watch them. Since I'm down here, I do put, we do put bird feed out and that, and I'm having a good time watching all these different birds that we're getting.
20: Very good. Good for you.
25: One one of them is, uh, I've been trying to get the bluebirds. My neighbor used to have bluebirds coming over to her feeders. Um, She passed away the other year, and of course, they, of course, they don't put anything out anymore there. So I've been trying to get the bluebirds here. A couple of weeks ago, I saw two bluebirds and i thought oh they're the bluebirds so we went and we got some mealworms good and um wasn't quite sure what to put them on so we did buy a feeder that's a short cylinder like but it has a little bit of a platform uh and then we added another one underneath so they had place to stand and they basically have been had are the only ones that have been eating it but the starlings do go after it too yes yes uh the other the other birds don't seem to bother with it But my question is, what we've been seeing is three bluebirds. Two of them are the dark blue, Uh, so I definitely know that they're bluebirds. The dark blue, you know, and everything. And then there's one that comes with them sometimes, and it's a lighter, a lighter color. Um, It's not the. it, It is. I know it's a bluebird, but it has that sort of grayish blue back which made me think it, it's either a female, and then I was thinking, could it be a juvenile? And that the other two bluebirds that are darker blue, the regular blue, could they be the parent shed from last year?
20: My guess is, yes, that's the female.
25: Oh, so that one is the female, but yes. they're the, and the other two are males that are that, hanging around.
20: That's them. correct. And it could, okay. it could be one of them was from last year, you know, no problem at all. Uh, sometimes it takes a little bit longer for the uh, any bird really to have that deep plumage that you can recognize. But the female is always uh, to use the word drab compared to the male.
25: Okay, but it just seemed funny that the two of them were the dark blue, and she and she wasn't. So I said, "Well, I'm not sure if it is a female or if it's just a younger bird from last year or what." But then we're seeing them. We saw them together first couple of times. All three always came together. Then after that, they, they more or less came one at a time. One day the the female was here. One day one of the, the darker bluebirds was here. Then the next day, you know, one of the other darker, but only one at a time instead of all three.
20: Yeah, that it, it all depends. Do you have a? Uh, did the neighbor that you're talking about have a bluebird house?
25: Well, he he did, but he did, but unfortunately he doesn't want any bluebirds in it since his wife passed away. Okay, all right, and he doesn't he 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 was taking that kind of hard, and this was her thing, so he he kind of put a um a rock in it or something so they wouldn't go into it. But I was thinking of getting a bluebird house for us here, but we're we're in the middle of a development, and I know she had him over there. She used to say she had them. So I kind of would like to try a bluebird box, but I'm not sure where to put it, if we should put it on the tree or put it no. off to the side of the yard.
20: Yeah, don't don't put it on a tree. Okay. Uh, it, it put it on a post three to five feet above the ground, uh, not facing north. Uh, do you have a good-sized yard?
26: Yeah.
25: What size what is the yard? Do you know?
20: No. Oh, okay. <laughs> because if you the more yard you have the the more likely you'll probably attract the bluebirds. But it's certainly okay. it's certainly worth a try and uh, you know it's something you have to monitor all the time because house sparrows also will use the bluebird house.
25: Okay, yeah, and I know I have them and I got loads of finches. <laughs> yeah.
20: Yeah, I, I would I, I, you might want to try the there's a feeder made especially for bluebirds. Uh, I know that the Oley Valley Feed and Wild Birds Unlimited and some of the other ones have that house. Or it's actually a feeder, not a house, but it, it, the, the birds have to go inside to get the mealworms, which, oh, okay. uh, which keeps many birds away. So you can check them out anyway, Donna, and see if uh, see if you want to put that up.
25: Right, okay. All right, well, I thank you, and that at least... Clears up my question about if it of what kind of, not what kind of bird, but if it's male
20: or female, you know. Yeah, you're all set, and I'm glad you're seeing them. That's great. So you'll have a bluebird day, and that's nice. All right,
25: thank you. You have a bluebird day, too. <laughs>
20: thank you. Take care, Donna. <laughs> Bye-bye. Right. This is the backyard. <laughs> 610-374-8800. Out of the area, toll-free, 888-401-0459. Let's go to Deerfield and say good morning to Sandy. Hello there, young lady.
25: Good morning, Jack. How are you this morning?
20: I'm well, and I hope you are too.
25: Yes, I am. Yes. I'm calling with a question, and then I have a report I wanted to give you too. Um, My question is, I have a son-in-law who was driving to work, and he said he had seen a, a dead deer in a field on his way home from work, he said there were a lot of vultures there. And he also saw another large bird that had a white head. So his question to me was, could that have been an eagle with those vultures? Uh, yes. I honestly, is, is that because I wasn't sure that the vultures or the eagle would tolerate each other?
20: That That's a good question. I, I don't have many reports of the bald eagle being there at the same time. But I've had reports of the eagle going after car- a carcass. Yes.
25: Okay, it just seemed odd. I wasn't yes. sure that they were willing to share in that deer. In that deer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I can tell my my son-in-law then. He he thought it was an eagle. He nice. It oh, yeah. certainly sounds that way. The way he described it. Yes. <clears throat> and the other thing is. Um, I just report and I think others have also reported the decrease in the number of birds that they're having at their feeders. Um, I, this, this year it's really sparse. I have a good selection of birds, but in numbers it is just, it's way down. Uh, it was a little bit better when it, the days that it snowed, but generally like mm-hmm. right now there's no birds at my bird feeder at all and that's really out of
20: the ordinary. Yeah, especially this time of year when the the availability of natural food is down. Uh, Sometimes that will keep the birds away because they still prefer natural food regardless of how much we put out for them. So I have not had too many reports of this, but uh, I think generally speaking, the bad weather seems to bring the birds in and uh, the numbers seem to decrease uh, when the weather is decent.
26: I guess. But
25: it's been cold. You would think that they would. There's not enough food for them, and they would come to the theaters. Uh, it's just just really odd. Like last year, it would not be unusual at all to have like twenty some white throats. Yeah, I have about four or five white throats at a time. That's all.
20: Yeah, the and- the, the numbers seem to be down this year for sure. With with some of the, the northern birds.
25: Yeah, yeah. I still have the uh, all the the uh, woodpeckers coming, and and all three of them the red bellied the, the hairy is coming more often actually good 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 bird a, a male, yeah a male hairy a hairy woodpecker and the downies of course are always out here, but I have to laugh the juncos go up and eat the suet they, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> they try it. And- Right, until they can latch onto the feeder, and then they eat the suet, which is kind of kind of
30: comical.
20: <laughs> yeah, that's right, because normally they stay on the ground, but uh, when there's free suet, and especially in the cold weather, that really is nourishing.
25: Yes, yes it is. But anyway, I'm not complaining, at least I have. I have a good ama- good selection of birds, whether it's a lot of them or not.
20: Well, I
25: still enjoy
20: Thanks for sharing with us. I appreciate that, Sandy.
25: Yes, you're quite welcome.
20: You have yourself a good day.
25: Yes, you too. Okay. You too. And thank you, thank you so much for your show.
20: You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. This is The Backyard. That's where we are. And uh, every Saturday morning about this time in The Backyard, we welcome our good friend Bill Urich joins us at 831. Good morning, Bill. How are you today?
31: I'm doing well. I hope you're doing good, too.
20: Well, we're trying very hard.
31: Oh, that's a great uh, report that you have with the Great Horned Owl in West Reading. That's that's <laughs> neat that they're coming back into the suburbs.
20: That was nice. That was nice.
31: Yeah. yeah well, you're going to have to get out your um, e-bird and do the atlasing now. You'll have to do the... Uh, I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, <laughs> That's I, two of us. <laughs> yeah, you know, the Atlas Codes and everything else. But, I mean, I think I want to be looking into that a little bit further as, as the spring goes on because I want to at least keep track of the peregrine falcons and, yes. and their nesting um, activities. But, yeah, there's all sorts of things. I think... Younger people are more adept at that than I am. <laughs> uh, interpreting I would, the code, I would agree. Yeah, I, I, yeah. but uh, I'm also glad that you mentioned uh, Russ Hoffman's story in the paper last week. Uh, it was really a nice roundup of the year. I oh, yeah. always look forward to those. Um, uh, Ken LeBeau started that mm-hmm. back in the early 2000s, and and uh, Russ and when when Ken moved to Ohio, he, Russ. Picked up the gauntlet and has has run with it every year since, and um, his superb photographs oh, of these yeah. birds are always a, a treat to,
20: Absolutely. to see
31: with with those stories. So I can't say enough about how grateful uh, I am and we are to Ross for giving us that roundup. That because uh, you know it's just a great way to introduce people to how. the the, the strange movements of birds, you know, they have wings and they fly and here they are and there they (laughs) are. And all of a sudden they're here. And uh, it's always fun to hear of a rare bird that you've never heard of before. And uh, to think, oh, okay, those things are flying across our skies. So, yeah, it was was, uh, really a nice, nice, nice story. And um, in in Wednesday's uh, Burke's Country section, uh, not to plug too much to the Redding Eagle, but I will. The first uh, Country is <laughs> not going to be once a month, but it's going to uh, go into that tabloid form. So it's going to be a, a separate section. And there was a roundup of the uh, three Christmas bird counts that occurred mainly in Berks County, you know, the Burnville, the Hamburg, and the Redding counts. The Elverson count hits southern Berks County, but it's mostly down there in those counties around
20: Chester. Uh, yeah. Southern Berks. Yeah,
31: Chester. And then uh, the Lehigh Valley count comes down into northeastern Berks County, but um, it just hits a little bit, I think, in Maxitani Township. So we don't really look at that too much. But uh, one thing, that when you mentioned the – I can't pronounce that name, but anyway, the bird count that you talked about. <laughs> <laughs> <I, I, I laughs> Critter <can't. laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> and I still can't pronounce it, even if it uh, just went right out of my head. But – uh, that there are saw-whet owls, I thought that was a, yes. a, a, a cool thing because those are really tough to, to find, and the, the, I guess you have to hear them, hear them calling to, mm-hmm. to really record them. Mm-hmm. And we had some on the Redding count too, which matched the high count. Um, they're very secretive birds, very difficult to detect, and um, and it was good to see this year too that Hawk Mountain uh, Bracken Brown has been doing uh, some some research picking up the um, saw-whet owl banding to, to understand the migration movements of those birds. So
9: um,
31: that's that's one of, another one of those great things that Hawk Mountain is doing with other uh, bird species. And so um, I, I'm hoping that we're going to get some more information from Hawk Mountain on the, the migration of the sawwood owls uh, coming up at some point.
20: Yeah, they, they were banding them, right, this year?
31: Yeah, yeah. yes. Um I know back in the, I'll say the '90s, Mm -hmm. uh, Todd Bauman started doing that um, and uh, did that for a number of years, and I was many people were lucky enough to go up there and watch it and to see what the whole process was like, and that was a great educational opportunity, and I think they still um, do that, but. You know, next next fall, if they they do that, I would really recommend people if there is an, uh, an opportunity to go see the sawed al bandy to take advantage of that. It's 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 a cool thing to see once, and you know, and you can I'm sure go back, but it's really a fascinating process as to what you're getting the, that extra insight into bird research, and that's that's one of those cool things that helps give some background to yes. what all the scientific knowledge that we get that yeah, was good. But and wow, all those those the, the records in the bird count—it's really something. Um, the bald eagle counts up; uh, record were broken in every uh, count circle. Following up with the uh, hawk mountain record migration, and, uh, and up in northern Berks, it almost looked like Conowingo.
3: Uh, Dan
31: Marr had a really nice photograph. There were five count them in Berks County. Five bald eagles in one tree. Wow! And uh, yeah, they, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's ever been seen in Berks County before. I, I, I just can't believe that no anybody has ever seen five bald eagles in one tree in Berks County, ever. And probably you know,
20: more to come too.
31: Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty, maybe it will be. will, will be like a Conowingo here,
3: with,
31: uh, <laughs> eagles draping like Christmas tree ornaments off our of trees. Uh, Ravens were another one. Common ravens are really uh, making themselves known. I think records were set for common ravens, and uh, I know I've got to get my my my, uh, bird atlas codes out for them too because uh, they've been nesting in the city of Reading for the past I don't know maybe five years. Wow! So it's something to keep a keep an eye on. But I'm just prattling on, so. Uh, uh, I really, oh yeah, it's just one thing. We had that shot of winter, and so we got some winter birds. A rough leg hawk has been seen in Western Berks, and that's yes. been creating some excitement. So lots of stuff going on, even though now it feels like spring, which is good. Uh, we had a big <laughs> foggy night last last night, but uh, maybe we'll just have a nice winter from now on. Yeah,
20: colder temperatures are
31: coming. Oh. Oh, I didn't hear that one. <laughs> as long as the snow stays away, I'll be happy, I guess.
20: <laughs> That's for sure, because you're always out and about, so I got to be careful. Yeah, yeah,
31: this is true.
20: Good to talk to you, Bill.
31: You too. You have a great week.
20: You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is The Backyard. Bill Urich joining us Saturday mornings at 8.30 right here on News Talk 830-WEEU and online 830-WEEU.com. We've got uh, Sixers and the Nuggets playing uh, basketball this afternoon, about 5.30 right here on Your Sports Leader. Back to the phones we go, and uh, let's see here. Let's, let's go to Mountain and say good morning to our friend, the crazy butterfly lady. Here's Linda.
32: Welcome back.
20: Thank you very much.
32: You were deeply missed.
20: I appreciate that. Thank you.
32: Um, I guess it was last week, or I don't know, but we saw some mergansers. We haven't seen them for a long time. And the two swans did wander up to our end of the lake. And I've been seeing a lot of pine siskins. But other than that, just the regular birds.
20: Well, that's that's interesting uh, because I haven't heard reports of very many pine siskins recently. Uh, we had some early on, but now I think yours is the the latest, and it's uh, it's been a while since we heard them heard about them, Linda.
32: Yeah, we have, I'd say maybe four at least. Good, but my birds are normally. I mean, other people have, you know rarely see the birds but my birds are eating me out of house at home <laughs> so
20: i get that complaint a lot
32: <laughs> <laughs> so i'm not having a you know now and then it's sparse but most of the time they're here plugging away eating everything yeah.
20: do you still have a lot of red-winged blackbirds
32: oh yeah we must have we have over 50 of them. Wow.
20: That's that's, that's a lot of, for this time of year, but you always have had them, though.
32: Mm-hmm, and the females started coming back, so I don't know where they go for a while, but for a while they're not here, and then it's just the males, and then the females come back, mm-hmm. so I don't know where they go. <laughs> yeah. But... But that's about all I have to report.
20: Well, that's a good report, and I thank you for sharing, young lady.
32: All right. Have a good
20: one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. This is The Backyard, Saturday mornings. We're right here between Animal Radio and Classic Rock, which follows the news at 10, right here on... News Talk 830, WEEU, 610 374 Out of the area, toll free eight 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 4010459 Let's see. I do want to mention a couple of things. Oh, um, I, we talked about, with two weeks ago, we talked about the uh, camera feeders, the camera houses feeders. I guess they were the feeders, actually. And I had... Uh, Two reports, two emails, and I appreciate that. Uh, one was called uh, Birdfly, all one word, Birdfly, and then there's Bird Buddy. So those are the two feeders that have the uh, camera, uh, which you can uh, you can use it on your phone or you can just you know on your book, bu- I- book, whatever. And uh, so there are two of them that I'm aware of: Birdfly and Bird Buddy, and thanks to those people that, uh, that let us know about those. Okay? All righty. It's uh, 17 minutes before the hour of 9. You're in the backyard with me, Jack Holcomb. Producer Linda joins us, too, on the program today. And speaking of joining, let's say good morning to the education, environmental educator from Middle Creek Wildlife Management Area, Brant Fortner. Brant, good to have your company again. Good morning.
33: Thank you. Um, you know, my, my mood was lifted a little this morning, which I need, uh, but I went outside and I heard a bunch of birds for the first time in a while. It was a very, like, warm, active morning, and it, it made me feel like spring is, is here almost. I mean, uh, it was warm enough yesterday, I think, in some places that it felt like summer. DC, it was pretty warm. Yes, yes.
20: But, but the cold weather is coming, so don't, don't get
33: yeah. it. It's <laughs> another false spring, right?
20: So I guess you've been busy putting together programs for 2024.
33: Yes. Uh, so the last few months, uh, there's a lot of things we work on when we're closed to the public besides our controlled hunts that are going on. Um, but I was slaving away at all these programs for next year um, and, and I got the lineup all ready to go out here. So Next month already is our first two uh, for the 2024 series, both Speaker Series and the Outdoor Explorer Series. And I'm, I'm really excited that everything worked out and we got a full lineup. Great, great.
20: And I, I noticed because I have a copy and I noticed the variety is just extremely well done.
33: Yeah, I joke that, um, you know, the last years of me doing this, a lot of the people I had come in are people I knew, like connections I had. Um, so it's getting a little tougher. I had to start kind of just cold calling people to see if they'd be interested in coming out and doing these programs. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm satisfied, uh, that it, it is a big diversity and a lot of different interests that people might have, uh, an excuse to come out to middle Creek.
20: Well, it certainly is good. By the way, before I go any farther, you have tundra swan, but have you had any snow geese?
33: Not yet. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. The tundra swans have been here for a little while. Um, I would say like a month or so. They've been kind of hanging out by stop one of our our tour road wildlife drive. Um, now, the last week or so from this cold spell, everything was frozen over. It kind of even kicked out the tundra swans. And I'm sure you're seeing it out your way, too. But the snow's all gone. Um, but the ice is still kind of hanging on the lake and it's real foggy around the lake as a lot of that. Um, ice kind of goes right to water vapor. So I really expect any day now, I mean, we're getting, like you said, some colder temperatures coming up, you know, below freezing at night. But really the days in the 40s, this ice should go fairly quickly. And once that happens, I think stuff will really start moving in. But, um, yeah, the the snow and and still the ice in the water has really kept a lot of things at bay uh, for the last week or two.
20: We had a lot of reports uh, about uh, in the fields nearby in Berks County of uh, the, uh, you know, especially in the if the fields where there's a lot of agri- agriculture. Uh, there's a lot of snow mm-hmm. geese, especially in the Oli Valley.
33: Yeah, Oli Valley, I know, like, out towards Nazareth had a lot earlier yes, this year, sort yes. of like late December. Um, and I think a lot of stuff got pushed back south because we were having a normal uh, winter condition for the last few weeks. But, um, yeah, I, I it, every year is a little different. You know, there's almost um, the... there are no standards because everyone always asks us, well, when are the snow geese getting there? And I'm like, well, you know, for all these years, the snow geese have never really told us what their plans are.
3: Um, (laughs) And
33: the, the peak changes every year due to weather the, the amount all throughout the season changes every year. So I don't know. I I really think they should be getting here soon once we get this ice gone, but otherwise, yeah, they, they always seem to appear in other areas. I think it was um, the last year or two, there was a lot out towards Hershey that we're moving up through. So it's, it's interesting to watch every year that that sort of shift that they make
20: we should mention too i think brant that the uh, uh, tour roads don't open until first of march
33: yes that's correct um now that was the standard for a while i think it was two years ago we kind of opened it up on some weekends um during like february and march when it was busy here but we learned very quickly why we shouldn't do that we had and this was really unfortunate um we had people that hit tundra swans on that road, uh, oh. like right away when we opened it. Um, there's sort of at the entrance of that road in the early spring, like late February, early March. There's a lot of herps, reptiles, and amphibians no. that cross this one area, and people were hitting those. Since we managed for wildlife first at, at Middle Creek over the the wants and desires of people. Um, you know, we're like, we need to just close that tour road down because it's not worth people getting out there just to look, you know, at a, at a bird, but, you know, stuff's getting killed on the roads. Yeah. Now, yeah. when we delay that, and we wait till March. Um, some of that has moved on or things aren't migrating as much. And it's it's a lot safer for wildlife. Okay. And really, people can't see snow geese from that wildlife drive that well anyway, if they're on the water. Sometimes they'll be in the field. But then another problem is people get out of their cars or they have dogs and it scares the snow geese off. And it's just It's just always a problem. People and wildlife don't always uh, think (laughs) on the same level. That's for sure.
20: Well, I I look forward to another great year with you and all of the great programs at Middle Creek, and I know you'll keep us posted.
33: Yes, sir. Um, I guess do you want me to uh, quick give a summary of what's going on next month for our two programs real quick. Go ahead. Okay. Um, So real quick, we have our speaker series. That's going to be on Wednesday, February 14th at six So again, we're keeping in line with what we were doing. We were doing our speaker series on weeknights and our outdoor explorer series on Saturdays. Um, so the first topic is dam removal, a river love story. Now this is kind of funny. Cause it lands on Valentine's day, which is on a Wednesday this year. Um, so if you're looking for a, uh, to see if your date is really into outdoor topics and conservation, <laughs> this is a good litmus test. Bring them out to uh, our speaker series. If you're, single and you're not looking at all that commercialization of that holiday, Hey, it's another good reason to come out for this. So everyone wins. <laughs>
3: um,
33: this is about, uh, an organization called American rivers is putting on this presentation. They're a group, uh, a nonprofit that does a lot of removal of dams that are sort of outdated. Maybe it's a hazard, uh, for a flood. Um, uh, maybe it's just building up a lot of silt or it used to be for an old mill or something like that. Berks County has a bunch of these, um, there's one on the southern part of the Talbot and where it meets the Schuylkill. That's within writing that they've been trying to remove for a while. Um, if anyone's interested, uh, there by body zone there, the old uh, paper mill, the Van Reed paper mill, mm-hmm. there was a, a dam there at one point that they removed yes. that basically, you know, that was uh, 100 years old and had no purpose. But that blocks fish migration. It blocks the natural movement of freshwater mussels, Silt builds up. So that's what their talks all about sort of, you know, benefiting the ecosystem. And even though sometimes we might think a little pool behind the dam looks nice and there's some birds on it, yeah. um, actually it's better for the ecosystem to remove those. And it's not natural. Very good. Um, okay. And lastly, our Outdoor Explorer Series, Saturday, February 24th. Uh, this is going to be a walk outside looking for silk moth cocoons. Um, Ryan, the bug man, uh, he's sort of the successor to Mothman. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he'll be taking people out looking for cocoons and what plants they use and, and what kind of uh, moths will, will eventually come out of those.
20: Well, sounds, sounds good to me, and I appreciate you joining us and bringing us up to date. Thank you so much, Brant.
33: <laughs> no problem. I, that was one of the longest calls, so I'll get out of here. You, you <laughs> have a good
20: one. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Brant Portner from the Middle Creek Wildlife Management Area.
21: Honey, can you turn up the thermostat?
10: I did turn it up.
2: Well, what's wrong with it? I'm freezing.
10: Can I be of service?
5: When winter weather strikes, when your furnace is struggling, and your thermostat can do nothing about it, one man will be by your side, fighting for truth, justice, and glorious heat in every room.
10: What's the meaning of this? I'm the H.L. Bowman. Bowman. I I know. You have your own choir, apparently. Well, did you know that
5: the furnace technicians at H.L. Bowman can repair your underperforming furnace so it finally delivers what your thermostat tells it to do?
7: So it's not the thermostat's fault? No, ma'am. Hey, Bowman, can I keep this cool arrow?
20: Yes, sir.
3: The H.L. Bowman Bowman.
20: Visit HLBowman.com.
7: We do all we can to ensure our kids are happy, healthy, safe, and strong. Having high-quality, low-cost health insurance helps make that possible. With CHIP, your child can have medical, dental, eye care, and more for free or low cost. Whether you're self-employed, unemployed, or your employer benefits are just too expensive, CHIP is there for you to help your child be strong. CHIP Strong. Apply or renew today at 800-986-KIDS or go to chipcoverspakids.com. Paid for with Pennsylvania Taxpayer dollars. You have auto insurance because, let's face it, stuff happens. And then you feel punished with a rate hike after filing a claim? Erie Rate Lock changes all that. With Rate Lock from Erie Insurance, your low rate stays great until you change cars, drivers, or your address. Your Erie agent in Reading and Hamburg is Cross Keys Insurance. Get a quote at 610-916-6190.
5: Rate lock does not guarantee continued insurance coverage. Insured must meet necessary underwriting guidelines. Premium may change if you make policy changes. Not all products are offered in all states, patent pending.
6: This is
28: Tom Smith.
6: And this is Mary Jo Smith of Thomas Smith Medicare Insurance Services.
28: Will you be Medicare eligible or retiring soon and need Medicare? The process of choosing the
33: right coverage can be very confusing.
6: We are a father-daughter team that can guide you in choosing the proper plan that's specific to your needs.
33: Our office represents all the top rated programs available in our area. And Medicare is all we do.
6: Call us at 610-779-7724. That's Thomas Smith, Medicare Insurance Services, Nexeter, where your best interest is our priority.
11: Take the chill off with some of Chef Tim's award-winning chili. You'll be bringing hope and warmth to the community because Blankets of Hope will provide blankets and beds for someone in need with all chili sold on Saturday, February 10th. Stop by one of the following Redner's Markets Quick Shops, either 2320 Penn Avenue in West Lawn or the Quick Shop at 1137 Commons Boulevard in Redding. Remember, that's February 10th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Take home some delicious chili from Chef Tim. We'll see you on Saturday, February 10th. We return to Jack's Backyard. Here's your host,
14: Jack Holcomb. And there's nothing like Chef Tim's chili. It is so
20: good. All right. Let's say good morning to John in Exeter Township. John, how are you today?
34: I'm just fine, and I'm happy to have you back again this week live.
20: Thank you very much.
34: (laughs) Yeah. A couple questions. This will be short. Um, Scratch feed. We used to call it chicken scratch when I was younger. Are you
20: yeah, that that's cracked corn.
34: Okay, but it has other things in it. I think it has uh, wheat and uh, other things, uh, not just corn. Am I correct on that? Uh,
20: that I'm not sure. I, uh, I know that there's uh, chicken feed is, is not necessarily the same, you know, the food that we feed the birds. Okay, uh, so
34: that's what I wanted to ask. Is it okay to use scratch, but if it's the same as... Crack corn and it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I know it's okay. Then
20: absolutely, no, no, yeah. no problem.
34: Okay, one other thing: uh, the better or best book for the history of the Hawk Mountain on the Hawk Mountain. Do you have a?
20: Yeah, there, there, there are uh, there. I I know the one book is is published about two or three years ago. Uh, uh, Jim Brett and Keith Billstein did it. Uh, I'm going to say it's longer than that, probably, but. Within the last 10 years, yes, they have a book, uh, and you can get it at the bookstore.
34: Oh, it not, you don't have to go up there to buy it then?
20: No, you can you can email, just email uh, just email hawkmountain.org, uh, and uh, you should be able to get, buy it online. Okay.
34: Thank you very much, and have a good day.
20: Well, you too. Thank you, John. Appreciate yep. the call. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Can we squeeze Georgia in here? Georgia, we can squeeze you in before the news. Good morning. How are you?
25: Good morning, Jack. Well, I'll tell you what. There's a peak of sun and a little bit of blue skies here. I think it's going to be a good day.
20: Great. Great. At least good. I can
25: see my hand in front of my face when I go out.
20: <laughs> that's, that's important.
25: Oh, goodness. Well, this fog. Well, anyway, I was calling because I just wanted to tell you, but report on some of the things I'm seeing in my backyard. And, of course... The snow brought a lot of birds yeah. in to our feeders, and um, so we have all of the woodpeckers, the the pileated and Wonderful. and the you know hairy and the downy and all of those. We also had um, some brown creepers, and uh, at one point there were three. At the same time, there were three flickers out near our uh, suet feeder. They were waiting turns to to get to the suet. So. That's my favorite winter bird. I just love all the the patterns of colors yeah. on a flicker. It's just yeah. beautiful. But I also had um, two sets of purple finches and a male and a female towhee. And my favorite, this was so much fun for me. We had the hermit thrush, but it stayed here. He was here for weeks and weeks because... Um, he liked the planter at my kitchen door. And what I do in when the summer growing season's over, I pull all those plants out. And then once it gets cold, I make like a winter arrangement and I put all sorts of greens and things in there to decorate with. But I also have lots of berry bushes on my property. Great. So I went around cutting all these berry bushes. And uh, their favorite was the... which is commonly known as a uh, beauty berry. It's a little tiny violet berry, Mm -hmm. and I had a bunch of them in my planter. And the hermit thrush was there multiple times every day. He'd land on the feeder and pick those berries off, go for a drink of water, and then he'd fly away, and then he'd be back, and I just looked forward to seeing him every day. It was just so much fun.
20: Oh, that's great. Good birds. Excellent birds, Georgia.
25: I'm waiting for a fox sparrow. <laughs> yeah, they, they I haven't they, seen one in so long.
20: Yeah, they usually show up at, at t- tail end of winter and early spring.
25: Haven't seen it for the past couple of years, and I, I used to get them. So, I mean, we don't—we don't really rake our leaves. We let them down there, right. and I can—I enjoy the birds scratching. In the leaves, and that's the one thing about the fox sparrow. I mean, he really knows how to scratch through <laughs> those right. leaves, digging for for bugs and things. That's so. right.
20: Well, a so, good good
25: report, Georgia. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, it was good to hear from you this morning, and glad you're back. We missed you last week.
20: Thank you very much. You stay well.
25: Okay, you too, Jack. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye bye.
20: We have to break for news. That's next from ABC, right here on News Talk 830, WEEU. And then Mike Slater, Master Naturalist Mike Slater, joins us about 9.05 on this Saturday morning. So uh, stick around. I'm going to learn some more, and I think maybe you will too.
4: 830 W. E. E. U. Reading from ABC News. I'm Dave Packard. A new U.S. strike against Iran-backed rebels in the Red Sea early this morning. ABC's MWIN has more from Washington.
13: The U.S. fired on a Houthi anti-ship missile that it said was ready to launch and posed an imminent threat to vessels and U.S. Navy ships in the Red Sea. This coming just hours after Yemen's Houthi rebels struck a British oil tanker, the Marlin Luanda, with an anti-ship ballistic missile setting it ablaze in the Gulf of Aden. The crew, forced to abandon Abandoned ship, the U.S. destroyer USS Kearney and a French warship assisting.
4: And the fire aboard the Marlin Luanda was extinguished today. Former President Trump vowing to appeal yesterday's verdict in a civil defamation trial, a jury of seven men and two women, ordering Trump to pay writer E. Jean Carroll $83.3 million for defaming her after she went public with her accusation that he sexually assaulted her in a department store dressing room in the 1990s. ABC senior investigative correspondent Aaron Kutursky was at the courthouse for the verdict. For Trump, who has made the courtroom a campaign stop, the outcome served as a contrast to recent political victories. Even if he appeals this, the judge will likely require him to set aside at least a portion of the $83 million while that's litigated. But Trump right back on the campaign trail. He'll be making appearances in Nevada today. Meanwhile, President Biden back in South Carolina tonight.
25: It will be the first state to award delegates in the Democratic primary, even though it's not a real battleground state for the general election, it's the state that propelled him to the nomination four years ago. The president is going big there. He has staff on the ground. He was there just a few weeks ago. His team says that tonight they want to sell a message about promises he
15: made to black voters and promises he has kept to black voters.
4: ABC's Mary Alice Parks. Tesla recalling some 200,000 electric vehicles over a software problem with the rear camera. You're listening to ABC News.
5: Some
0: days, my active psoriatic arthritis makes it hard to get in the game. Now, the ball is in my court. Thanks to treating my skin and joints with Sky Rizzi, Rizim kizumab Rizzi, a prescription-only 150 milligram injection for adults. Nothing is
3: everything.
0: Sky Rizzi helps with less joint pain, stiffness, swelling, and fatigue. For those who also have plaque psoriasis, 90% clearer skin is possible with just four doses a year
9: after two starter doses.
7: Don't use if allergic to SkyRizzy. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms, such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine.
2: With SkyRizzy,
0: there's nothing like clearer skin and better movement, and that means everything. <laughs> your doctor today about Sky Rizzi and visit SkyRizzy.com or call one 866 sky to learn more.
4: Authorities in Wichita, Kansas are calling on the suspects who stole a Jackie Robinson statue from a public park this week to return it and held accountable for their actions. Steve Colmia with the Wichita Metro Crime Commission. When
27: I heard about this yesterday, it, it just pained me. It was like a knife to the heart.
4: They're offering a reward of up to $2,500 for tips leading to arrests and another $5,000 for tips that lead to the statue's recovery. The U.N. Agency for Palestinian Refugees terminated a number of its staffers in Gaza suspected of taking part in the October 7th attack by Hamas and other militants on southern Israel. Russia has extended the pretrial detention of American journalist Evan Gershkovich, Grishkovic was arrested last year on espionage charges. His detention is now extended to March 30th. The U.S. has called for his immediate release. The nation could soon have a new tallest building. ABC's Mark Remillard.
11: Developers eyeing Oklahoma City to build the boardwalk at Bricktown Complex, which, if approved, would be a 1,907-foot-tall skyscraper. Developer Scott Matson.
14: He just felt the area is going to be growing, attracting more employers, more people want to live, work. And, uh, and
11: enjoy the uh, entertainment district. The building would outdo One World Trade Center in New York, which stands at a symbolic 1,776 feet. Mark
4: Remillard, ABC News. And I'm Dave Packer, ABC News.
27: Valentine's Day is here. This year, give the ultimate gift. Name a star after your sweetheart. This is Rocky Moselle with International Star Registry. For 45 years, we've named millions of stars for celebrities, dignitaries, and individuals worldwide. For $59 and a call to 800-282-3333 or visit StarRegistry.com, you can give the most memorable gift. The star you name will be recorded in book form in the U.S. Copyright Office. Visit StarRegistry.com or call 800-282-3333. (music) .
14: return to Jack's Backyard. Here's your host, Jack Holcomb. Thank
20: you very much and good morning once again, everyone. Good to have your company right here in the backyard on this uh, 27th day of January 2024. 610-374-8800. Out of the area, toll free, 888-401-0459. Good to have your company in the backyard today as we all take time to learn a little bit more about uh, nature. And there is no better source for learning about nature than to chat with Master Naturalist Mike Slater. Mike, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well, Jack. How about you? Well, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. I hope you had a good week, or a good two weeks, actually.
35: Yeah, yeah, we did miss you last week.
20: Well, thank you very much. I I appreciate that. Well, go ahead. Anything exciting that you'd like to report?
35: Well, not too much exciting. I did find that I keep studying these blue jays that are eating our peanuts. We don't have as many. I think there's only three or four right now. (laughs) One day they didn't eat the peanuts because it was so warm. They left all of the ones I put out there. And when they came in the next day, they were very picky about it, like they were stale. <laughs> the ones that have been left out. In fact, I saw one fly into the feeder, and it had a peanut in its mouth. It dropped it and picked up a different one, like it was a returning <laughs> one that it just wasn't up to snuff.
20: I've wondered why, if if the uh, the peanuts are affected by the rain because we've had the rain and the peanuts get wet, and I, this doesn't bother us. Well, they,
35: the... Yeah, they're they're damp. I have um, clear plastic shields covers over all our feeders to keep the seed drier but with the heavy rain and the fog and everything the seed was slightly damp so it's possible the the shells just weren't quite as crispy as they're used to
20: <laughs> how when when it rains like this and we have uh, rain you know finding their way in, in finding its way into the feeders how often should we change the seed should we take that wet seed out
35: yes Especially as it gets warmer, that seed will get moldy pretty fast. Yeah. Um, so if it's really rainy and you don't have covered feeders, don't put out very much seed at a time. Just put out small amounts so you can empty the feeder without wasting it.
20: It was uh, an interesting report from uh, Brian this week. He had the rough legs, hawks, and, and the short-eared owls in western burks. But he also had long spurs and pippets. How, how common are they,
35: Mike? Uh, Pipits are around, it's, and long spurs occasionally. The Lapland long spurs, the one we get here. The um, what? What makes it easier to find them is when there's snow on the ground. So I assume Brian found them when there was still some snow that mm-hmm. helps you see the brown birds in the brown fields that would be there otherwise.
20: Aren't they usually around the the horned larks?
35: Yeah, they're often together, but not always right together. They'll get concentrated along the roads, picking up seeds and growl if everything's snow-covered. But my experience is the the longspurs hang out with other birds, but it's not like the the pippets and, and horned larks don't always hang out together. They may be in the same field areas, but they're like different flocks.
20: Have you had any reports or heard of snow buntings this winter?
35: No, I haven't.
20: I had nope. I had one report, and uh, I guess it was Northern Berks, uh, in in a field. But there were like well maybe ten or fifteen. Usually they have they come in larger flocks, don't they?
35: Often, but not always. Sometimes there's just a few, especially when people see them earlier during migration. They often are just ones and twos even when they first are moving south in the winter. So there's, as you know, birds don't follow any hard and fast rules about anything. They do what they want. <laughs>
20: I had an email this week asking me where the short-eared owls are normally and why they show up here usually in uh, in winter and early spring.
35: Well, they they nest um, further north and into the Midwest places where there's grassy hay fields and farm fields. Uh, they're de- severe decline breeding bird in Pennsylvania. It'll be interesting to see what the next bird atlas finds yeah. for short-eared owls but they they need fields with some cover that lasts for the whole breeding season like a hay field that's not mowed until Mm -hmm. late very late spring or early summer like into june or july so that just doesn't happen around here very much anymore
20: that's right
35: that's
3: right
20: the
35: fields are plowed right to the edge of the road because that's the most efficient way and there a lot of plant, a lot of farmers are leaving cover crops more through the winter but which which can help the birds when they're wintering but those are will be long planted by the time their breeding season gets going a little later in the spring does, i guess they nest starting in march is my guess but i'm not positive about that
20: does the same conditions affect the barn owl
35: yeah in a in a different way it's not affecting their nesting habitat it's just there's less cover for mice and voles that are their main prey and if you've noticed as you go around farms the the, the corn um picking equipment is just so efficient there's no dropped kernels like there used yeah, to be
22: yeah
35: um, they just get every single kernel, which you know makes financial sense for the farmer, but it's not leaving anything for the birds or the small mammals that would be food for the barn owls. I don't, and um, Dan Bronner at the Game Commission has put out a lot of barn owl houses. I don't, in, in southeastern PI, I don't know how much success, what his percentages are. I know he's had some nesting ones to ban that. Barnes just don't new barns don't have as much space for them to nest so that's partly why he's doing that Love we'll to get a report on that
20: I also remember they they nested in in, in the belfry of a church too which was kind of yep. interesting
35: Well the first barn owl I ever saw was flying over the parking lot at the Berkshire mall at night with the lights from the
3: oh.
35: street lights in the parking lot reflecting up on it I don't know when the last time a barn owl was seen in Missing, but I bet it's been a while. <laughs> yeah,
20: I had a report this week of a uh, uh, kingfisher harassing a great blue heron in the Creek in Missing Creek.
35: Oh, I didn't. Well, they do eat the same thing, so <laughs> I guess the kingfisher might have been thinking that was my fishing spot.
20: Yeah. They, I, I guess, over the years, I've had a couple of reports of them battling uh, for for fish, but I don't know how prevalent that is.
35: I, I haven't seen that. I mean, it doesn't completely surprise me, but I haven't seen that myself. So, one quick, one quick. It's probably not too common.
20: A quick question: uh, We had. Uh, one of our callers, Linda, reporting pine siskins, and they seem to I have heard that. Seem, seem to have disappeared, and all of a sudden they come back. Is is this about the right time of year?
35: Uh, there's been some around. We had a reliable report of some near Burnville on the Burnville Christmas bird count. A flock of, Locko. I think it was three at the feeder. Mm-hmm. That was the only one yeah. on that count. Um, so there's been a few around, but it's definitely not a big eruption year mm-hmm. with a lot of them. And that, Coming I, south.
20: And that goes true, I guess, with all of the northern birds.
35: Yeah, I haven't heard much. I was am always interested when people like you had an earlier call are reporting purple finches. Yes. Just just like you maybe you should confirm just for my my sanity or something that they're sure it's not a house finch because I get all excited when I hear purple finch.
20: You know, that that is a very good point, and I'm glad you brought that up because, folks, there is a difference. Uh, and When you look at the two birds, what's the easiest way to tell the difference, Mike?
35: Well, there's usually a color difference. Purple finches are usually a raspberry color, but some house finches can. Look at the sides of the flanks on the male, and they have purplish streaks. The house finch will have brown streaks on the flanks, under, below the wings on the side yeah, of the yeah. stomach. And the females of the purple finch have really bold brown and, and white stripes or pale stripes on the face that house finch females don't have. Their heads are sort of a uniform color. And that reminds me, I learned some new trivia the other day that I've been meaning to tell you. You know why purple finches are called purple finches?
20: Uh, I give up.
35: Because several hundred years ago, the meaning of the color purple was different. It it referred to a raspberry color. Ah, okay.
20: Interesting.
35: It's it's been a change in the meaning of the word. The bird isn't named wrong. The word has shifted. I think that's fascinating.
20: (laughs) Always something interesting in the world of nature. Appreciate you sharing it with us, Mike.
35: All right. Take care. Bye, Jack.
20: Have a good week. Bye-bye. This is... The backyard Saturday mornings between Animal Radio and uh, well we have we have the classic rock following the news at uh, at ten it's all for you right here on News Talk eight thirty that would be W E E U don't forget Sixers Denver Nuggets play basketball five thirty tonight right here on your sports leader. All righty, let's go back to the phones, and let's continue merrily on our way. Carrie, good morning. How are you this morning?
26: Good morning,
36: Jack. It's nice to have you back. Thank you. Now, I was watching the news, and my husband says I don't watch enough of it, but they had on, it looked like it was caged in Philadelphia. Somebody must have got a bunting. Uh, Now, it was blue. It was like that fluorescent yellow uh, what other, I think it was red. It had to be a male, right?
20: Uh, are we talking about a painted bunting?
36: Yes, that's what they said. A painted bunting. Uh, and somebody must have they must have captured it because you could tell when they were showing the picture that it was in like a cage. Um, mm.
20: yeah, that's yeah, that bird is not is not normally here. We have the okay. indigo bunting, but not the painted bunting. That's a southern bird.
36: Okay, so maybe it—I don't know—maybe it hitched a ride with somebody. But I found my bat house, and I'll have to get my nephew Josh, and he has a really good story. He should call in. But uh, how high would I have to go for a bat house?
20: Well, you put the bat house in the side of the barn, or okay, I don't—I
36: don't have a barn. (laughs) a, A
20: garage.
36: Uh, I'd have to ask my husband yeah, about they, that.
20: they, they, they the, you, you don't put that on a tree. I, at least I'm—that's my experience. That, that they don't put a bat house on a tree, but I don't know that for
36: sure. Okay, well, I have this one tree that's huge, and he wants to take down, and we kind of go back and forth. So you would say on the side of the garage, east, north, west, south.
20: Uh, yeah, facing the the uh, away from the north. Okay, away from the north.
36: Okay. Uh, And I seen a fox. Now he was limping. I don't know whether he tripped or (laughs) something was chasing them, but uh, they're not real big uh, foxes anymore. I thought they would be the size of a good size, you know, medium dog, but...
20: Mm, A little bit smaller.
36: Yeah, they are. All right, well... Even though the snow is melting, please still give the birds water, and God bless us all.
20: Yes, thank you very much, Carrie. Good to talk with you. This is The Backyard. Yes, give the birds water all year. They need
15: the water.
12: Terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for recurring automated marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply STOP to opt out. Terms and conditions apply. Visit ISSA online for details.
15: Tired of the 9-to-5 grind? Looking for something different that's flexible, fulfilling, and pays well? How'd you like to get paid to work out? Now you can with ISSA, the global leader in personal fitness certification. There's a huge demand for certified personal trainers right now. And once you get ISSA certified, they guarantee you'll get a job. Trainers can make as much as $200 an hour. Yes, I said $200 an hour. And with ISSA, you can be certified in as little as four weeks. Just text BENCH to 323232 now to get started for free. You do everything at your own pace and 100% online. Pursue your passion in specializations like yoga, nutrition, or strength training. Live life on your terms. Get certified and train like you want. Start your own business, work at a gym, or make health and fitness your side hustle. Whatever works for you. Just don't wait. Get started today and be certified in as little as four weeks. Just text BENCH to 323232 right now to get started for free. Text the word BENCH to 323232. Text BENCH to 323232. 2
27: Mark your calendars for Thursday, February 8th for the 9th Annual Chef Tim's Take the Chill Off Live Broadcast benefiting the Blankets of Hope. That's right. Come on over to Classic Harley-Davidson in Leesport. Pick up some chili. Grab a pint from the Pagoda City Brewing. See the Royals Ice Angels all while supporting a great cause. WEEU staff at Classic Harley will be hosting the broadcast along with many of the Blankets of Hope supporters. That's February 8th. For information, visit 830 weeucom or ClassicHarley.com.
12: Close out January with the Reading Royals at their Wizards and Star Wars weekend. Enjoy Butterbeer and a Royals coaster giveaway presented by Diablo Dental for Wizards Night on Friday, January 26th before Chewbacca and your favorite Star Wars characters join the Royals on Saturday, January 27th. Secure our Diablo Dental family four-pack with food and drinks all included for the entire family. The Royals Wizards and Star Wars weekend on January 26th and 27th. Tickets available at watersocky.com.
16: Chester Perfetto Insurance Agency is expanding to the Lehigh Valley. We are the insurance experts in Berks County since 1971. Medicare, health, financial planning, auto, home, business, and travel insurance. Our second location is located at 1275 Glenlivet Drive in Allentown. Contact us today for a no-cost quote or consultation. 610-678-0373 and perfettoinsurance.com.
28: High school sports are in full swing here at WEEU, and you still have the chance to advertise for all basketball games on air. Hear Bob McCool and Rich Garcella on the call every game, be highlighted as a community sponsor, and support your local high school teams through the end of the season. If you're interested in joining our team, contact us via email at sales
12: at 830weeu.com. Your AccuWeather forecast from News Talk 830, WEEU.
13: Here is the exclusive three-day AccuWeather forecast. Dense fog advisory ending early this morning. Once the fog burns off, it'll be cloudy today and mild with a high 52. Overcast tonight with occasional rain followed by a steady rain low 39. Rain for tomorrow to end the weekend. That rain will turn into wet snow at night into early Monday. High forty-one for Monday, mostly cloudy and breezy. High forty-five. This is Cheryl Golden reporting for News Talk eight thirty WEEU.
14: Welcome back to Jack's Backyard on the Voice of Berks County eight thirty a.m. WEEU forty-three
20: at the moment forty-three degrees outside
14: your AccuWeather
20: station. News Talk eight thirty. That would be WEEU. And uh, this would be Trey down there in North Carolina. Trey, how are you?
22: Doing great. How
20: about you, Jack? Good, thank you. Good to hear from you again.
22: Glad you're back on the air this week. Well, thank uh, you very much. Absolutely. The uh, theme of the last couple of weeks has been Raptors down here. I, uh, I saw my first bald eagle since moving down here when I was out driving a couple of weeks ago. And uh, so that was, that was a fun little surprise. It was flying towards my... Uh, towards my car and it was flying pretty low and i could tell the wingspan was big and at first i thought it was a heron because i see those all the time and then i saw the legs were in drag and then sure enough as it got closer i was like whoa that's an eagle <laughs> that's <laughs> and, great you know, yeah it was a fun little surprise also saw two kestrels uh hanging out on some power lines uh throughout the last couple weeks so that was nice and then uh one other that i couldn't quite identify I think it was either a harrier or a broadwing. Could you kind of outline the differences for me so that maybe I could figure out what this was?
20: <laughs> well, the the broadwing probably not was. Where did you see the bird?
22: Uh, it flew out of the tree line and then was sitting on top of a, a power line near an like open on top of the post
20: near an open field.
22: Uh, no, it was kind of a wooded area, kind of uh, almost in a downtown section.
20: Yeah, the the, the the harrier is larger than the broadwing to begin with, and normally they can be seen uh, over fields, swamps, places like that. The broadwing is pretty much a woodland bird.
22: Okay, cool. Yeah, I had a feeling based on the pictures I saw that it was a broadwing, but just wasn't quite sure. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, been fun keeping track of all the all the raptors down here recently. But. Uh, yeah, just figured I'd call and let you know.
20: It also, uh, Trey, the the broad wing probably, uh, if you saw it at this time of year, they're they're migratory and they move uh, very far south into Central and Latin America. Uh, oh wow. Well, so okay. if if you saw it, my guess would be uh, probably the harrier, which is here basically all year. Some migrate, but some can be seen e- even in the winter.
22: All right, cool. Thank you so much for the information.
20: Anytime.
22: Have a good one, Jack.
20: You too. Take care. Good to hear from you, Trey. North Carolina. I like that. Okay. What time is 926? David Barber from Hawk Mountain will join us at 930. He will uh, recap the uh, 2023 migration season. So we have time to say good morning to Denise. Denise, how are you this morning?
25: I'm pretty good, Jack. How are you?
20: Well, I'm able to get around. Thank you. What's up?
25: That's good. Good. Well, I was just curious. Um, we saw an eastern bluebird last year, and I thought it was just an anomaly that maybe it got blown off course or something. But then they came back this year, which is peculiar because aren't they like an open field type of bird?
20: Well, <laughs> uh, they're, they're being seen just about everywhere. They're uh, usually suburban and rural rather than urban, but uh, they, they can be oh. seen. And, and most of them are here all year.
25: Right, I guess I'm just more familiar with seeing them out in the country near farms and things. Because um, when it showed up in our backyard in why I thought hills. I thought that was kind of odd. That, that, I was happy to see them. Don't get me wrong, but I just I wondered what uh, what was up with that. I've
20: I've seen them around the museum and and also along the Why Missing uh, uh, Creek Trail.
25: Okay. Well, that's it's new. I've lived here 38 years now, and this is the first two years I've ever seen them. So oh,
20: well, that's great.
25: Yeah, it's great. I, I love it. I mean, we get a really good variety of birds because we have a little wooded area across the street from us. But I'd never seen them until last year, which was amazing.
20: Do you feed the birds? I do. Yes. Do you feed? The... And
25: I kept the feed from the suet. I think.
20: Okay. The bluebirds, yes, they they would go to the suet. Uh, they love mealworms. If you see them on a regular basis, you might want to try mealworms because they really would flock to your, literally flock to your yard. <laughs>
25: Okay, sounds
20: good. But that's... I
25: think I did put mealworms out last year because the robins were here. Maybe mm. that's what brought them.
20: Yeah, they'll they'll uh, all the birds will eat the mealworms, but they especially the bluebirds, they that's their favorite.
25: Okay. That's good to know.
20: So all right. you so you've Thanks. so you've had bluebird days. I
25: have. Yeah, it's amazing.
20: <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, I'm glad you called Denise.
25: Well, thank you very much.
20: You take care. This is The Backyard. We'll hear Saturday mornings for you right here. My goodness, a busy day, and I am so thankful for all the phone calls. That's really, uh, that's really great. Okay, it is uh, 9.29. That's the good morning time. And it is time for us to say good morning to uh, an old friend, David Barber, Senior Research Biologist, Hawk Mountain Sanctuary. And David, good to have you with us again in The Backyard.
37: Oh, thanks. It's great to talk to you, Jack.
20: Well, let's see. The Raptor migration season beginning in August fifteenth and continuing through December. Hawk Mountain twenty twenty three. What kind of a year was it?
37: Well, you know, it's it was an okay sort of year. You know, as um, a lot of your listeners and you probably know, kind of our count, you know, how well we do all depends on our most abundant migrant, which is Broadwing Hawks. Yeah. And Broadwings were a little low this year um, about 13 percent below average so not a great year but um, we did have lots of good flights so you know all in all I would say it was a successful year for us
20: the broad wings uh, they, they, they continue to migrate but take different routes
37: they do yeah so most of our Broadwings wings come through in that third week of September so it really Our count depends on what the weather conditions are during Mm -hmm. that week. Mm -hmm. And we had the beginning, we had clear blue skies, which makes spotting high-flying broadwings really difficult. And we also had a lot of westerly winds, which kind of pushed them off the ridge. So a lot of the counts, kind of eastern Pennsylvania, they had the really good counts this year. Like Militia Hill had a high count of over 20,000. Wow. So, yeah, we missed a lot of birds this year.
3: But I, well, it happens.
20: <laughs> I think we perhaps right now we should mention about the weather that that's very important to the migration.
37: Absolutely, yeah. So um, the birds are really using deflective currents off the ridge to migrate. So we tend to get our best days on strong northwest wind days. Um, except broadwings. Broadwings we like to see some southeast winds. Um, so that just kind of pushes them more towards the ridge. And it's the changing weather conditions that also has an impact on our migration as well?
20: Well, certainly you had a banner year for the
37: bald eagle. Absolutely, yeah. It seems like you know i a, a broken record. Every couple of years, there's a new you know record. But yeah, <laughs> we we had uh, 639 uh, bald eagles, which was set a new record. And I should mention they're still coming through because. Um, silly me, I decided with those strong northwest winds last Saturday, even though the temperatures was hovering in the teens, I'd go up to North Lookout. um, And I did see 12 bald eagles migrating through. Amazing. Amazing.
20: Yeah, Yeah, and I guess we understand that although the cutoff date is the middle of December, the birds continue.
37: That's right, yeah. I mean, for our statistical analyses, um, we really cut it off at December 15th. Um, But historically, in the late 90s, early 2000s, we would have volunteers go up, you know, January into February mm-hmm. when winds were good. Um, and especially if we get snow up north, that kind of pushes the birds down. Yeah. So it's always possible to get a decent flight late in the season.
20: What about some of the other species? Uh, up, down, was it a, a good year for some of the other hawks, like the kestrels, for example?
37: Uh, kestrels were about average. Um, some of the um, I would call them you know, migration winners. Those birds that were above average this year was uh, turkey vultures. We had our second largest flight ever. Um, and northern harriers were above average as well, which is nice to see seeing that um, their numbers have been going down over the last 20 years or so. Um, other species like rough-legged hawks, um, peregrine falcons, black vultures, those were all about average. And then The rest of the species were somewhat below average. But it's important to remember that, you know, just one year doesn't really mean anything. Mm -hmm. It's it's looking at the long-term trends, not only long-term trends at Hawk Mountain, which is just one site, but looking at long-term trends across wash sites in the eastern U.S. And then we can get a real feel for how the populations are doing.
20: Is it wrong to say cyclical?
37: uh yeah they're not really cyclical um we there used to be some patterns in northern goshawks eruption um, we don't see that anymore um, so it's really just a lot of times it's year-to-year variation in environmental conditions that reflects the flight and also um you know potentially a loss of habitat or degradation of suitable habitat that sort of thing which also influences um what our flight's going to be like
20: I have to. Uh, I, I try to remember to mention the fact that the uh, the counters at Hawk Mountain uh, are up there regardless of the weather. And uh, come uh, <laughs> <laughs> come late October, November, it really gets cold. And I, yeah. I um, and you don't have you don't have heaters and <laughs> you don't have a fireplace. You just <laughs> sit there in the pit yep. and and count.
37: But we do have toe warmers and head uh, hand warmers, so that helps. You know, as long as you're dressed for it, really, that's. I mean, it's it's bearable. So even though last weekend was really cold, um, I was warm for the four hours I was up there. Oh, that's great. But I do want to point out, you know, we we do have um, five staff and 15 volunteers that conduct the count. Um, We were up there for counting 124 days and almost a little over 1100 hours we put on up there so some long days but some really nice days as well
20: it's called de- those birds. it's called dedication
37: <laughs> <laughs> well you know you have to be up there if you want to you know see that big broadwing day or big bald eagle day or you know the rare rough-legged hawk you know you have to put in your time
20: while i have you on the phone uh, the uh, the topic of vultures pops up very often and i know that you work with vultures at hawk mountain mm-hmm. Uh, one of the questions
37: I have, do you still band? Uh, we haven't, and, and technically we tag, not band, because we can't put metal That's bands right. on right. vultures. Um, but we haven't, we've been tagging um, nestling black vultures in the valley when we, when we find vulture nests. Uh, be, because of um, avian influenza, we haven't done any tagging, you know, concerted effort in the last few years. Just because we don't black vultures are particularly susceptible to AI, and we don't want to be responsible for luring mm-hmm. birds in together and potentially transferring it to other roosts. So um, we're hoping um, maybe it'll calm down a little bit this year and then we can do some more tagging.
20: the uh, most of the is it safe to say most of the vultures that we have, turkey vultures, black vultures, migrate, or has the local population seemed to be steady over the years, especially in the fall and winter?
37: Um, it's been fairly steady. You know, with these warm winters we've been having, um, they're really not going anywhere. Historically, we used to see um, the vulture roost kind of deplete in winter when whatever we got, you know, several days with really cold temperatures or snow, it would move south, and then once it warmed up again, they would move back up north into the valley. Um, but the last few years, they just haven't gone anywhere. They're just hanging around um, in the various roofs uh, within the valley. Now, I know is
20: it, is it the uh, zoo at Hershey that also tags?
37: Yes, they use um, they use light green tags with a number and two letter or a letter and two numbers on it. We use. Uh, bright yellow tags for black vultures and light blue tags for turkey vultures and we only tag on one wing whereas the Hershey birds are tagged on both wings I see.
20: Uh, the black vulture population increasing?
37: Um, yes um, but what, what, if we look at our kind of long term data of the number of birds we're counting it actually is declining um, but I think that may be influenced by birds just not migrating as much anymore as they did. Yeah. So we're seeing an increasing population, um, but the birds just aren't moving, aren't migrating south. And we actually put some satellite units on birds to try and figure out um, if they are moving, and they just tend to stay in Pennsylvania, maybe go into Maryland, but there's no migration. Um, so the real question is, the birds that we do count, where are these birds coming from? You know, And, and we're not the only watch site that counts migrating black vultures. So. That's interesting. So we're trying to... We're trying to put a, a unit on some birds in uh, black vultures in northern Vermont, and maybe maybe it's those birds at the periphery of their, their range that mm-hmm. are migrating. We mm-hmm. just don't know.
20: Well, let's see. Any changes in the uh, uh, way the f- birds are counted come August through December, or everything will remain the same as it has for almost 90 years?
37: Everything's going to remain the same because we want to compare to – previous years we really need to keep the same protocols and that is august 15th through december 15th so i mean we you know potentially in the in you know in future years we may you know extend the count just to see if if we are missing a lot of birds but um but for analysis we'd still have to keep that august 15th through december 15th and then the research that we've done here it really is we're not the birds are um Migration is changing a little bit, um, but not, not significantly in the, in the timing of migration. Yeah.
20: David Barber, senior research biologist, Hawk Mountain Sanctuary. David, it is always a pleasure. Thank you for taking time to join us this morning.
37: Oh, Thanks very much, Jack. It's a
20: pleasure being on. I'll talk to you again soon. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. David Barber, uh, raptor review, if you will. From Hawk Mountain Sanctuary, this is The Backyard.
14: Ruthie, our last summer barbecue is this weekend, and it has to be epic.
10: Well, Total Wine has this new reposado that'll rock your barbecue. And my favorite cabernet will make your famous ribs even famous-er.
27: Yes, just what my last summer barbecue needed.
6: Wow, and at those low prices, they'll be great for my first fall barbecue.
14: Ooh, I'll trade you my famous ribs recipe for one of yours.
10: With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always
7: find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Drink responsibly, B21. You can host the best backyard barbecue
13: when you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around.
21: The warmth of spring isn't too far away, and Ocean State Job Lot
1: wants to get your green thumb off to a great start. Burpee Seed Starter Kits are the perfect way to get things growing indoors, and we have a wide selection of greenhouses to protect your plants. Did you know we have over 400 varieties of burpee flower and vegetable seeds that are all 40% off? Plant inside with our windowsill trays as well. Don't forget the soil, too. Plant at prices you won't believe at Ocean State Job Lot.
28: Oli Valley Feed in the beautiful Valley Valley's your wild bird feeding headquarters. They're hosting a wild bird feeding seminar on Saturday, January 27th at 1 p.m., where they'll answer all your wild bird and nesting questions. Topics include enticing different birds, keeping critters off your feeders, attracting purple martins, types of feed, and how the seasons affect birds, and more. Reserve your spot. Call 610-987-3568 or visit olivalleyfeed.com. For the expert or novice bird feeder, holy Valley Feed has something for everyone.
25: If you or a loved one needs estate planning or may require nursing home care, call Scott Painter, your hometown attorney. Scott is a certified elder law attorney serving all of Berks County from his office at 906 Penn Avenue in Wyomissing. He handles every aspect of elder law. Mention WEEU and he will provide you with a $50 credit. To see how you can protect and plan your estate, call Scott Painter at 610-378-5140.
11: Are you feeling hungry? Then come to Why Missing Bakery and Restaurant for breakfast or lunch. The best bakery and buffet in Berks County with fresh fried chicken to homemade donuts, they got you covered. And you can even order off the menu. Everything is fresh, never frozen, and always homemade from scratch. The Why Missing Restaurant and Bakery is open daily from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. For the full menu and specials, go to WyomissingRestaurantandBakery.com. Get your feast on today, located at 1245 Penn Avenue in Wyomissing.
14: Back to more of your calls on Jack's Backyard here on The Voice, 8.30 a.m. W-E-E-U.
20: 18 minutes before the hour of 10. That's the good morning time here in the backyard. And it is time to say... <laughs> press the button. Time to say good morning to Lisa and why I'm missing. Good morning, Lisa. How are you?
17: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
20: Not too bad, thanks, for an old
17: guy. <laughs> it, was, it was interesting uh, listening to your show last week, sort of imagining what was happening... Uh, 7 years ago <laughs> but we did miss you and I'm glad you're back. Thank you. And I just wanted to report a st- it was kind of interesting. I think it was over at Blue Marsh and there were uh two hawks. One was in one tree and was definitely a-, a male and the other hawk was in another tree and she definitely seemed to be a female and they were sort of together. You know, they were looking at each other and they weren't nesting. But they were—they seem to be sort of communicating with each other, and that it seems as though they had a relationship. And I was just wondering about them to, and fidelity. Do they do they mate for life, or do they um, sort of have affairs, or what kinds of <laughs> <laughs> relationships do they have?
20: I, I'm not sure about the hawks. Uh, uh, bald eagles, for example, will mate uh, bo- most of the time for life, uh, and so so the the tundra swans and. Uh, the snow geese and the Canada geese will do the same, unless they lose a mate or you know something yeah. like that. But yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know the the uh, relationship with with some of the hawks.
17: Yeah, well, it was just kind of interesting and, and fun to see that they actually sort of enjoyed just sort of being there together. They weren't necessarily hunting or you know trying to get anything. They were just kind of enjoying each other's company. And I was just wondering if that was you know something that was. Typical that they would just, you know, have a, a relationship that wasn't based around around nesting. And if they did, you know, if they did stay together, then that's, I was just curious. Thank mm-hmm.
20: you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome.
17: Okay. Well, thank you.
20: I'm glad you called.
17: You're welcome. Take, bye-bye.
20: Bye-bye. Yeah, I'm not sure about Hawks. Uh, I should have asked David about that. But anyway, um, the um, families will stay together, certainly Red Tails uh, and some of the other... Hawks, probably, uh, male, female. It's not too far away in the uh, mating season, courting season, I guess we
16: we should say.
20: This is the backyard, and let's go back to the phone. Sarah, good morning to you. Thanks for waiting.
16: Jack, good morning. So lovely to hear your voice.
20: Thank you very much.
16: Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, I'm having a bluebird day I just saw four bluebirds at once in in our, at our feeders. So oh. it's very wonderful to see them. And um, where I live in Lower Alsace, we just have an abundance of bluebirds. I'm not going to say where because <laughs> <then laughs> I'm going to get a lot of traffic. But um, Mike Slater actually knows. One time he was here for the Christmas bird count and pointed out that there are more bluebirds here than. Like, he was surprised how many bluebirds. So that's very cool to hear that from Mike Slater. Um, I just wanted to mention that when your program was, um, you know, replayed last week, um, one thing that you said to somebody was, oh, clean out your bluebird nest box now. Yes. Because they're going to start mating. So I went outdoors, cleaned out my nest box, which had a huge nest in it, cleaned it out, next day a bluebird was at that box and i was like oh jack you're my hero <laughs> <laughs>
3: this yeah,
20: yeah this, it is really is it's something that should be done certainly the tail end of february and, and the first part mm-hmm. of march
16: well um that bluebird went right in as soon as i cleaned it out so i was happy about that yes i have a quick question and then a discussion now when how can we find out when Um, Bill Yorick has the fire tower open for people to uh, watch birds or count. Is that through the Baird Ornithological Club?
20: That's correct. That's correct. But, however, the tower no longer is being used. Uh, 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 They're sitting down below the pagoda and uh, watching the birds from there.
16: Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, shoot. That's a shame. That must have been really cool to be able to go up in the tower and
20: watch. I agree.
16: Mm, well, all right, so the primary thing here is someone had mentioned that indigo bunting, and you're like, oh, well, that's from the south. and um, The
20: painted bunting. I don't
16: think so. Oh, painted bunting, yeah. Well, my sister, Elizabeth Emlin, called me up yesterday and said, oh, did you know there was a rare painted bunting spotted in Philadelphia? Mm-hmm. I bet they're going to talk about it on Jack's Backyard. And I said, <laughs> I'm sure they will. And so... Um, I guess no one sent you an email or anything, so I'm going to tell you. Three days ago, I'm reading this from the Internet now, Um, the species is native to the southern U.S., Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America, but one male has made an uncommon visit to Philadelphia. And that is in, and again, everybody, this is the, um, the painted bunting, A male painted bunting has made a rare appearance this winter at Bartram's Garden, Mm -hmm. a 50-acre public park in southwest Philadelphia. So it's a very big deal that this is going around, that this is happening in Philly and all kinds of birders are going to look at this. This beauty, and so you look at the picture and think, "Holy cow, this is an amazing bird," um, and it is a male. Where the females, of course, are a duller color, but this one's very vibrant. So, oh, yeah. I just wanted to share that with you that indeed there is this rare um, bird. I, I forget what the word is when they're, I guess, blown off course or whatever, uh, and er, not an eruption, but I don't know. There's a word for it, I'm sure.
20: It has been an interesting year. Uh, this winter. Late fall, winter, exotic birds all over the place, and oh. it is, it's so it's so it's so neat. Uh, if you get the chance, uh, check the uh, last Saturday's Redding Eagle, and you'll see Russ Hoffman's photographs and the story of some of the rare birds that have popped into
16: Berks County. Oh, I will check that out. Oh, sounds wonderful. Yes, well, that's all I've got on my list of this and that. So. I appreciate you being here every Saturday. And even when you don't drive in, you're still there. <laughs> you <know?
20: laughs> yes, indeed. I appreciate that.
16: <laughs> sure. Have a bluebird day, Jack.
20: You too. Thank you for so much, Sarah. All right. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. All righty. Thanks to Andy P. He's the one that does all the work in those programs that recorded. Seven year, the last, year, last week's was seven years old or so. That's great. Andy P., you are
12: great. Your AccuWeather Forecast from News Talk 830, WEEU.
13: Here is the exclusive three-day AccuWeather Forecast. Dense fog advisory ending early this morning. Once the fog burns off, it'll be cloudy today and mild with a high 52. Overcast tonight with occasional rain followed by a steady rain low 39. Rain for tomorrow to end the weekend. Their rain will turn into wet snow at night into early Monday, high 41. For Monday, mostly cloudy and breezy, high 45. This is Cheryl Golden reporting for News Talk 830, WEEU.
14: We return to Jack's Backyard. Here's your host, Jack Holcomb. And right
20: now, 43 degrees, 43, outside your AccuWeather Station, News Talk 830, that would be WEEU. And uh, this would be our friend Opal in California. Opal, good morning.
30: Good morning. How are you? Well,
20: last time I checked, everything was working, and I guess that's a good start for the day.
30: Well, you sound wonderful.
20: Thank you. Good to hear from you. What's going on in uh, the West Coast?
30: Well, we still have these beautiful hummingbirds coming here. Uh, It's the anise, Harold says. Mm Mm-hmm and um, uh, they really take over the feeders.
20: <laughs> so they keep the other hummingbirds away, or so the anna's control the feeders?
30: Well, we have one. I call it the moth. <laughs> he sits up. Uh, Harold has the, uh, some wires uh, kind of going in different directions, so I have one hummingbird that likes to sit up there and chase the others. But it's not all the time. Yeah, yeah. But he's a bully. <laughs> anyway.
20: So is, uh, is this is this common at this time of year for the Anna's hummingbird to be so prevalent?
30: Uh, well, we seem to be here. Yeah. yeah here. Yeah, we've been here four years. So, uh. So yeah, we haven't heard uh, mockingbird lately, but I hear the grackle, mm-hmm. and I, I just—no uh, wait, yeah, we hear the ravens.
20: Oh, great!
30: And uh, and I do hear a, a grackle once in a while, which is with which always makes me smile mm-hmm. <laughs> with his raspy voice.
20: Do you still have a lot of the uh, house finch and the finches?
30: Oh yes, overcome with finches. Yeah, Uh, they're, (laughs) they're, uh, yeah, they they keep us busy feeding, uh, filling up the bird feeder. We have the black oil sunflower Mm -hmm. Mm seed, and uh, we keep those good. And it's the finches who are here most. But but anyway, we enjoy them all.
3: And, and go ahead. we
30: did have some bluebirds here. Uh, it was like a little flock. Uh, I don't know if I reported this in the past or not because this was a couple weeks ago. But I looked out and here are these uh, at least five uh, bluebirds out, uh, out on our uh, walkway.
20: Now, these are western bluebirds now.
30: Unless they flew in from the east, I guess.
20: <laughs> oh, that's great. You got yeah. you have a good variety, though, Opal. That's great.
30: Yeah, and and they're just so much fun to watch, uh, and they have interesting interesting personalities.
20: <laughs> I like that. Yes, they do. Yes, they do.
30: <sighs> yeah. That's
20: one reason bird watching is so interesting—the different yeah. personalities.
30: Okay, well, I enjoyed listening to you. Missed you last week when you weren't on. But I just wanted to check in and
9: uh, give a
30: report here and uh, say hello to our friends.
20: Well, thank you so much for that, and uh, you give my best to Harold when he wakes up.
30: (laughs) That'll be about an hour from now.
20: Okay. (laughs) Take care, Opal. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Opal LeBeau from California here in the uh, in the backyard. Do I have time? Yes, I guess I do. Pete, we have a couple of minutes. Good morning, young man. Hey, how you doing, Jack? Good, thank you. What's up? I uh, just want to report,
29: uh, like everybody else, I imagine, with the snow. I had a feeding frenzy going on here that was unbelievable with uh, doves and the juncos and everything else. But as the snow went, so did the birds. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure that had a lot to do with it but I was going through cracked corn and sunflower seeds like you wouldn't believe uh, during the period of time when it was really cold and the snow was down. So it was, uh, yeah, it was quite a frenzy going on.
20: I would believe that, yes, yeah, indeed. And then
29: they all then they all found their natural areas, and they, they kind of went back to it. Blue Jays, show, about four, four Blue Jays showed up, and they haven't been here since. And uh, every everything kind of shows up when, when it looks like an oasis down here, I guess, with... Uh, I clear the snow away and throw food down, and, and they come in and flock, so it's kind of neat. Uh, uh, we were up to uh, Middle Creek on uh, Tuesday, I believe it was, and, of course, the lake was frozen. But, you know, it, when, what's neat about that, uh, we had the place to ourselves pretty much, and uh, I love to look across the lake, and you get to witness things you don't normally witness. Uh, a bald eagle was flying across the lake with a large branch over to the—we uh, were at, ah. uh, out at the, uh, the point— And uh, he stopped midway and landed. I think the branch was too big, and he proceeded to break it up a little bit. And then from that point, he must have spent 15 minutes on the ice and then flew to the nest and put it in the nest and flew over and met, I think, his mate. And uh, I'm not sure what was going on there, but it looked like two whiteheads were pretty close. I have no idea what was going on. Uh, It was pretty far away. Uh, And we also witnessed a bald eagle, another bald eagle, sitting on the ice Taking care of a, a goose carcass, so uh, you see things differently uh, in different times of the year there, and that was that was amazing. It was
20: fun to watch. Oh, that, I like the nesting. The, yeah, this is the time. This is the time of year they're doing that, adding to the nest and uh, and uh, mating.
29: Yeah, he flew. He flew over to the open. What was what was open? A little bit along the edge. And he found that stick over there, and it looked pretty big when he was carrying it initially, and then he stopped mid, mid-lake, mid like I said, on the ice, and then uh, seemed to to try to break it up and then continued on after he did something to it and uh, flew over to the, to the nest uh, opposite the point there. So it was really cool to watch. And leaving, leaving we witnessed, uh, well, we were looking for that. We heard the reports of the Northern Harrier there. And as we were leaving across the fields, there was a male and female harrier doing their thing across the fields, and we got to stop and watch them for a while. So uh, it was—it's a, uh, a good day, any day. Any day outside is good anyway. And uh, when you have a place pretty much to yourself, it's, uh,
3: <laughs> it's even, even
29: more peaceful. Looking across that frozen lake is just—it's a peaceful sight.
20: Yeah. So. Now, it's kind of interesting uh, that you mentioned the uh, harriers. Uh, because short-eared owls also are up there once in a while, which is kind of neat.
29: Yeah, but you got to kind of you got to have the be across the access road or the roads that are closed. Yeah, I think where that's, they that's where true. I think they see them a lot.
20: Yeah,
29: uh, and uh, of course, and I understand. I I stand stand with with uh, Grant when he called about closing that road up with people. That it, I can't believe someone would hit a swan on a, on a, on that access road. It, it's it's unbelievable, yeah. but. I understand the closing, and we respect that, and that's the way it should be done. I think.
3: Well,
20: it's great talking to you, young hey,
29: man. Oh, you have you have a good day, and uh, Patty has some pictures on on the way, and uh, hopefully you can enjoy them too.
20: Well, thank you so much, Pete. Stay well.
3: You too. Bye bye.
20: This is the backyard right here on WEEU between Animal Radio and Classic Rock, which follows the news which is coming up from ABC. Thanks to everybody that called the program today. You really rocked, and I am more than than grateful for every single call, and we certainly learned a lot. Amy sent me this uh, for a thought for the day. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, Each moment of the year has its own beauty. Time for us to get out of here. Make way for the news, that's next, from ABC. And then classic rock follows. For producer Linda, good to have her back. Yours truly, Jack Holcomb, hoping you will find some time to uh, spend a little time with nature, see what it has for you. You might be surprised. But you have to start it with a Bluebird Day
3: today. ¶¶
4: Talk 830 W.E.E.U. Ready. From ABC News, I'm Dave Packard. A trial date for suspected murderer Brian Koberger accused of killing four University of Idaho students could still be a year away. The defense requesting proceedings start in the summer of 2025, telling the judge the team has only spoken to 10% of the 400 potential witnesses. More from ABC's Jacqueline Lee.
17: Koberger's attorney is adamant she won't be ready and she needs to see every bit of discovery that's the duty I owe to Brian the judge denying two requests from the defense including a requested dismissal of the grand jury indictment against Koberger the indictment was used to charge him with killing Kaylee Gonzalez, Madison Mogan Ethan Chapin and Zanna Kernodal in the early hours of November 13th 2022
4: the judge has not made a final ruling on a trial date a jury and